Ladies and gentlemen, it's 2017 and just as the Me Too movement is taking off, the internet nerds are saying us too to the Snyder Cut. Is that an appropriate analogy to tie those two together? Probably not, but I'm just trying to situate us in pop culture time and space. And speaking of time and space, there's a lot of time, there's a lot of space in this four hour film that was initially, wait, sorry, I'm getting this wrong. We're, we're kind of doing a time split here because the Justice League released in 2017, then becomes the Snyder Cut Justice, Rele Justice League released in 2021. We're going to be attempting to cover both of these monstrosities in the latest installation of Raven Bat, the Raven on Batman podcast analysis critique recap subsection thingy. I'm Natalie Bohensky and I'm already exhausted and we've got an hour. <laughs> <laughs> we've got another four hours of podcasting. <laughs> that laugh you can hear behind me is my co-host. As always, he's a man who, much like Batfleck in this film, loves to just stay out of the main action, hiding behind a car. <laughs> <laughs> People who have actual, like, superhuman superpowers do all the heavy lifting, and then he comes out at the end to just throw a few punches. It's Stuart Light! Hello, Natalie. Hello, everyone. Yes, that introduction was long and tortured and badly in need of an editor, so it was the perfect introduction to talk about Justice League. <laughs> I mean, I'm a little offended, but... Uh... <laughs> I mean, I also kind of offended uh, your sensibilities by comparing you to ba Batman in this film. <laughs> to scaredy Bat. I just, I just couldn't believe when watching this film. We will get to everything else, but this was on my list, so I'll just handle it now. The, the fact that Batman, <laughs> there's this great joke where Barry Allen says, in, and I watched the Snyder Cut, and we'll get into how we're doing this, but I just need to get this off my chest. Yeah. So Barry Allen, the Flash, says to Bruce Wayne, so what's your superpower? And he, like, closes the moonroof to his $20 million car and just goes, I'm rich. Great joke. Great joke. Hmm. But then it's so true because Batman, Batman's the guy with the base and the gadgets and the, the plane to get them places. Sure. But he can't do jack shit <laughs> this film. Better, because... better outings of the Justice League, including several animated movies, uh, have managed to work around that limitation, that the, the, the very glaring limitation that as cool as Batman is, he he's is a just dude. a guy in a suit, you know, and he's dealing with people with the power of literal gods. Gods. <laughs> just, there's a moment when they bring spoilers to anyone who hasn't seen any of the Justice League. We're going to be talking about Justice League, so spoilers. But they bring Superman back from the dead. Okay, great. Zombie Superman. He's on the rampage. Mm -hmm. And you get this wonderful hero shot of like, bam, 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 bam. It's Aquaman. It's Wonder Woman. It's the Flash. It's Cyborg all teeing up to take down Superman. And there's a notorious gap in that lineup. Mm -hmm. and so they're fighting Superman, who is Superman. Uh, yes. He's He's knocking all of them out because he's, you know, come back from the dead and he's a bit like Buffy when she came back, all discombobulated. Sure. He's discombobulated. He's not holding back. Not holding back. And then Batman literally scutters out from behind a police car. <laughs> <laughs> like literally kind of adjusting his collars like, I'm here too, guys. And then <laughs> just comes in 
like there's no justification as why he shouldn't have been there with the others unless they they needed to do sort of a cutaway shot like maybe he was piloting the plane that was carrying them or he was circling the block in a pack car waiting to fire yeah. off rockets or something but no they just have him like ducking up from un- behind a car yeah. and then he's like hey clark calm down and then superman goes in with his heat ray vision mm. Conveniently has one gauntlet that Alfred's made up that like absorbs energy and then shoots him back across the parade ground. Or whatever. Those gauntlets get an entire emotional arc, by the way. We see Batman like try to make them, Alfred finishes them, and then they get used. They have a whole arc. They, they they're get, a character. Yeah, they, they are get, more of a character than Lois Lane. They get used once in this. I forgot. I actually forgot to write down anything about Lois Lane, but we'll get to that. <laughs> so they, did the movie. The, the gauntlets gets used once. And then, and then they're gone. They're out of it. So Batman no, no longer has any potential protection from Superman. And Superman's just about to go in with the laser eyes. And it's someone else who kind of distracts him or whatever. Oh, it's Lois. It's Lois who comes in as like Clark, <laughs> Clark. And, <laughs> you know, for people who are upset about Martha, they can't really be. This is on the same level as Martha. Like, Clark, oh, yes. it's me. It's me. Like, you know, Superman clearly responds to very simple, basic commands about women that he loves. <laughs> and that's okay. Because the other thing that I will say is that Henry Cavill continues to be absolutely beautiful yes, uh, and yes, beyond perfection. And I am sorry that I didn't get on board the Henry Cavill thing earlier, but I think it's because in The Witcher, like he was all done up, all grotty and blonde and stuff. He should not be blonde. He is a brunette. He should stay a brunette. <laughs> He can come to my house. I'll just tell him all the reasons why he should stay a brunette. Sure. You know, maybe if he wants to be shirtless, I'm okay with that. You can I play some Warhammer. We could play. I would play Warhammer. I'd learn. I'd pick it up. <laughs> You'd learn for him. I'd learn for Henry Cavill. I think that's mm, fair. Sure. Um, so we should probably get into this film. And <laughs> Let, let's do it. Let's do it. So, Stu, before we get into our minute challenge, do you want to kind of recap for me the oh whole the whole thing that happened with Joss Whedon doing one version and Zack Snyder doing the Snyder Cut, because to me the release of the Snyder Cut kind of became an internet meme, a bit of a mm. joke. So if you can just take us back in time, Batman v Superman has come out. It's been okay, fairly well received, obviously enough for them to go, we're going to do Justice League. Take me through it. Well, I think that the point is it wasn't very well received. It was absolutely oh. trashed at the time. Um, oh, I guess money-wise, we... money it must have made enough for them to decide to... Sure, exactly. And they knew... I mean, the thing is, these are still marketable characters. Like, it's Superman and Batman, for goodness sake. Like, it's not... You know, one one bad movie isn't going to tank those characters. So they're going to they're gonna try again. But they are a lot more hesitant about letting Zack Snyder just have free reign. So the Zack Snyder goes into production uh, in late 2016, I think, and basically is like, okay, let's try to make this movie. This was always the plan. They were going to make Batman v Superman, and then they were going to expand that out to Justice League. There's a version of that that could work because, you know, these are all basically known characters the only ones that people wouldn't really be familiar with is probably cyborg i think the flash and aquaman at least have some pop culture awareness people would be vaguely aware and they they have pretty simple deals aquaman has water powers the flash can run really fast right you can lay a character on top of that but their deals are really simple yeah they have pretty simple power sets I have some questions about those power sets, but let's just put a pin in that. Yes. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's the thing. This movie badly overcomplicates what is should be a very simple thing. But anyway, 
So you've got Superman, Batman, and Wonder Woman, three extremely recognizable marketable characters. At this point, Gal Gadot's Wonder Woman has already come out and is a enormous success, huge, mm-hmm. just mm-hmm. absolutely enormous. If they were smart, they would have pivoted to make sure that her character was front and center in this movie because, I mean, it already involves the Amazons extremely heavily. But instead, we, we follow Batman around. I mean, this is basically another Batman film in a, in a weird way. But before all that, so... I mean, Ben Affleck to- is the biggest star than Gal Gadot, despite Wonder Woman being... You know, sure, but you know, if you're going, I mean, in in terms of most recent success, Wonder Woman had absolutely eaten Batman v Superman's lunch. Mm. Like it was, it was a, a, a commercial and critical darling. It cannot be understated how I huge mean, that movie was at the time. I cried. I cried. Absolutely, we all did. Yeah. Yeah, it was fantastic. Did. My wife walked out of that movie literally vibrating with, <laughs> with just joy and pent up aggression. She wanted to punch a wall down after watching yeah, that yeah, movie. Yeah. It was insane. It was great. And I mean, the best part about it that everyone forgets is how good old Stevie ba- Stevie boy, what's his name? Oh, Chris Pine. Yeah. Uh, speaks in German by putting on a German accent. I mean, I know, <laughs> yes. I, I, know I talk about it all the time, but I just, that's because I don't think it's recognized enough that he just goes, ah, I speak fluent German. <laughs> <laughs> Ah, sorry. It's great. It's a great movie. Fantastic. So yeah, I'll do this as simply as possible because this has been well ventilated, but I want to make sure we get all the basic facts sort of lined up. So our listeners are here for the ride, Stu. Remember, this is about us interpreting pop culture. Sure. Absolutely. We've got a lot of ground to cover though. So let's let's get started. (laughs) So, So after all that, Zack Snyder's on a shorter leash than what he was. Going into Batman v Superman, he basically had carte blanche. They're like, do whatever you like. You're our golden boy. Let's do this. That movie tanks, both critically and commercially. And they are like, okay, let's rein it in a bit. You know, why don't you make them more like those Marvel movies? They seem to be doing really well. They're, they're kind of light and colorful and have lots of jokes. And Zack Snyder's like, no, I, I make grim, dark, brooding superhero movies. And they're like, okay, man. And so- Production begins. They they bring everyone in. The, the script is written. They get through all of initial filming across like 2016, 2017. And then Zack Snyder suffers a very terrible personal tragedy and just a trigger warning for anyone who worries about uh, suicide or anything like that. But his daughter committed suicide. And it, it was this sudden, very terrible, yeah. awful thing to happen. Awful. Wouldn't wish it on my worst enemy. It's just, an, I, I, I cannot even fathom oh, what he must have been going through. Absolutely tragic. And I think there's the, the cut film dedication to her at the end. Which yeah, I was yeah, it did. Sweet. Yeah, absolutely. Which and, you know, sweet. just to people, don't do not do that. Call us. Call in, you know. <laughs> don't, or call a, a or one call, of the many services that are available. Yeah, with professional uh, people who actually, yeah. you know, know what they're doing. Who can, but who I'm can help saying, you? You know, we're all here. We're all in this together. Let's all give ourselves a hug at this moment. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah. But at that point, Zack Snyder, extremely understandably, steps away. Now, at that point, the film is in the can. Principal photography is finished, and they are moving into the stage where most big blockbusters now happen, where they assemble a cut of the film, have a look at what's working and what's not, and then call actors back and do some either either very minor or sometimes very major surgery to the film by doing reshoots and edits. Apparently, at this point, Zack Snyder had assembled a three-hour cut of the movie, which by all uh, testaments from people who saw it was unwatchable. It oh. was just awful, right? 
executives are panicking because they can't get him back to sort of helm things. There's no one they can really trust in the early going to sort of take over for him. So they make the fateful decision to call Joss Whedon. Mm. Now, Joss Whedon at that point had, under a mutual understanding, left the Marvel machine. He had just made Age of Ultron. Yes. Which was a weird come down, even though it was it was still hugely successful and most people liked it. But there was a bit of critical pushback on that one in particular, specifically around the idea that this was a movie that was just packed with extra stuff that was going to be pushing forward to future movies. And that was what Whedon had actually been pushing back against when he was making the film. He has said, he, he says it all over the commentary. It's very clear. The straw that broke the camel's back was that up until that point, they had largely left him alone to do what he wanted. And then he had sort of gotten a lot of pushback on, on Age of Ultron with executives coming to him and saying, okay, this needs to be in the movie. This needs to be in the movie because this sets up this and this sets right. up this future movie. And- he yeah. really had to fight them on, you know, a final cut of the movie, basically. It must be really hard to direct a Marvel film when you have those constraints. Like you have to put in X, Y, and Z because of yes. the nature of yes. these ongoing it's, it's very hard and demands. not everyone can do it. I mean, Edgar Wright was going to direct the first Ant-Man and he pulled out about halfway through. He sort of realized I'm not going to be able to make the film that I want to make. So I'm going to just amicably step away at this point while I still can. You know, yeah, jo- and- Joss Whedon was sort of already in. He'd already made an extremely successful first Avengers film, largely on the brief of, hey, you're good at like juggling lots of characters in a fun action-packed way. Can you do that for us? And he did. And then they were like, hey, so we have a list of prerequisites now that you need to do in this second movie. Otherwise, like, you know, it's not going to work. And he was like, this is less fun. I'm not going to do this anymore. Because like, I think they would have been very happy if he had stuck around for a third or fourth, if, you know, they kept making good movies. Like, you know, it was all good. But I think just that they amicably agreed, okay, time to call that quits then. If, if we're going to keep running into this problem of you, you want certain things and we want certain things and those are different things, time to move on. And, you know, that they found great success by tapping the Russo brothers and Marcus and McFeely, the writing team, to then basically become their in-house top-down director slash writers and they had great success right up to Endgame with all that like like they had a very clear vision Joss Whedon meanwhile is obviously a little bit bitter about he had some ideas he he thinks you know Age of Ultron was maybe a little bit unfairly judged by critics and all that sort of thing and he's looking to sort of prove himself and WB taps him on the shoulder and says hey we need someone to come on and basically do a fix on Justice League for us like we, we have a finished film we don't like it can you please fix it. The context here is that Joss Whedon, for years and years, his very first like job in Hollywood was as a fixer. He was a, he was a script doctor. Yes, to my uh, sad realisation, he actually did um, a Passover he, on all yep. the dialogue of Speed. The Absolutely. He did a, he did a punch up on Speed quite favorite. famously. Yep. Basically, if, there, if there's a joke in Speed, he wrote it. Yeah. Um, if yeah. there's a jokey line of dialogue, he wrote it. And also, like, you know, he worked on a bunch of films. He famously worked on Waterworld, but he worked on a few others. Like, he worked on Twister, a couple of other big name movies that you would know. But he was a script doctor, so he was never really credited for that. And he his big thing was he wanted to get, you know, his name out there as, like, an actual writer. And, of course, that eventually happened. Joss Whedon is a divisive figure now. Um, we kind of addressed this a little bit last week, but, you know, we could sort of briefly mention it here. I'll talk a bit about what happened, and then maybe we can talk about the fallout. Mm. So Joss Whedon comes on to basically pick up the production, do some reshoots, 
and assemble a, a cut that is workable. Like, like they, they're probably looking for more like a, a two-hour film, which is what they eventually get. The thing is, he comes in, takes a look at the script, takes a look at what was filmed, and says, I can't really work with this. What I need is a little bit of money and a little bit of time to get everyone back, and I'll reshoot quite a bit of the movie. Like, like no, we're not talking about, like, little punch-ups here and there. There are whole scenes that are different from what was shot by Zack Snyder. There are all sorts of, like, like about 20 or 30% of the movie is different, which is a huge amount. Just absolutely enormous. Whole scenes. He reshot, like, scenes that had already been filmed. Most of the confrontations seen when Batman first goes to pick up Aquaman, that is all new for the Joss Whedon version, right? He he reshot that whole scene. Okay, so is that still where they're in a small fishing village? Yes, and and that's the thing. Like he basically, instead of doing pickups for like one or two lines, he did a top-down rewrite of that scene, went back to that location and reshot the scene. Very similarly, like some of the shots are almost identical, but he includes all of his like funny, quippy lines in there. Right. You know, and th- this is this is the point we should probably, men- we should have mentioned this a little bit earlier, but for this podcast, you had not watched either version. And so no. you have watched Zack Snyder's Justice League. Yes. Whereas I have watched both and I most recently for this podcast re-watched Joss Whedon's Justice League just to refresh my memory because it, it had been a few years since I'd seen it. Mm. So that, that's where we're coming from. Yes. So uh, am I to gather then that if I was to watch those two scenes side by side, that Joss Whedon's is completely different even though they're in the same location? Same no, they're, they're weirdly similar. This is the weird thing. They are weirdly similar down to like shot choices and staging most definitely. Possibly so that he could reuse some of the footage from from that Snyder had used. Right. But he definitely reshot that whole scene. Do you reckon that he got um, Jason Momoa to do that bit where he just takes his shirt off and <laughs> jumps into the water? Because, I mean, if well, I had the opportunity... versions. If I had the opportunity to get Jason Momoa shirtless, because famously sure. I did see him take his shirt off on the set of Aquaman. I mean, that's the famous story. Yes, you did. But, uh, you know, it was not a bad time is what I'm telling you. That's <laughs> all I'm saying. It's all I'm saying. Carry Absolutely. on. <laughs> Absolutely. So at, at this point, so he, he goes and does these reshoots. We learn later that there is significant discontent on the on the set at that time, specifically with some of the primary cast members, specifically Gal Gadot and Ray Fisher. Ray Fisher specifically has, is, has a real beef with Joss Whedon, um, mm. which seems to be both a, both a personality clash and also because of things that Joss Whedon says and does to him, including most superficially gutting Cyborg's arc in the Joss Whedon version. Right. Uh, he's still there. And and weirdly, having rewatched it just recently, knowing what I know, he's in a lot of the movie, but the Snyder cut, he is the main character. Like Cyborg, I mean, I don't know whether you would agree with that, but Cyborg is the main character of, of the Snyder cut. He certainly has more time than... I would say Aquaman and the Flash. Yes, he's got he's got way more time than Superman, who ba- who is barely in. The yeah, Snyder but cut. that's because you can't have Superman in too early. You know, I understand why they had to leave Superman as the literal Deus Ex Machina for the mm. end, because otherwise, Superman just tidies up all. The- <laughs> All your problems. Well, again, it's a lack of imagination. Like, like we, um, we can get into this, but like, it's the same. It's the same reason why Batman has to run away and hide and shoot people from like a hidey hole. Yeah, you know, it's because <laughs> you're not imaginative enough to incorporate both of those characters. Anyway. Right. 
I mean, look, and that's, that's, that's I, that would be me. I don't know how to imagine Batman being anything but a dude in a suit after this movie. So I don't. Uh... <laughs> Can it be that this movie has actually finally like killed Batman for you? No, I don't. I didn't mind the Snyder Cut as much as I thought I would. Well, this and is the thing. Yeah, lots of people reacted quite positively to it when it came I, out. I, I maybe because it. I was set up by Batman v Superman and we had the little diversion with Lego Batman, but maybe Hmm. because I don't know, maybe I was like in prone. I tell you why I also, because I previously watched the first hour and then sort of stopped and gone, I'll come back to it and never did. I'll tell you how I watched the first hour again. Yeah. (laughs) People are going to shoot me. I put it on while I was editing the Lego Batman podcast. Now. (laughs) That would be a strange experience. It was a strange experience, but it was strangely calming because now I don't believe in multitasking, but basically because I'd watched this first hour before and because I knew there was so much slow-mo and so many like large gaps with no dialogue, I was like, well, I can just run it for an hour. And so that gets me through that first hour again while I'm just doing my editing on the Lego Batman podcast. Now, I could probably only do that because we had such a fun time with Lego Batman. The podcast kind of went really quickly. There wasn't as much editing as say yes. this podcast will have where sure. I, have to, I have to listen more closely for you know bits of, to cut and all that kind of stuff so I had this like weird split brain thing happening where I had actually probably a bit more like 70 30 on the edit and 30 percent on the Batman v Superman and mm. then the hour passed that I'd already seen it it kept going and I was already concentrating yeah. so I got about halfway through I got about two hours through the Snyder Cut with it playing on my iPad next to my computer while I edited the Lego Batman. Now, don't shoot me. I was trying to get a bit of a heads up and I just went a bit further. So because I was in this very, I think, relaxed, like happy state from Lego Batman and that editing that podcast, it possibly placed me in a more open trance-like position to receive (laughs) the Snyder Cut in a more positive light. I can't explain it any better than that. But um, then I sort of finished the edit and watched a little bit more and then I came back to it uh, today or the afternoon that we're recording and I put on a bit of a workout video and watched the last hour of it while I I did a little bit of a a workout, So, which I always like doing with these movies that we do because I feel like I really have multitasked. I've, you know, done some exercise while watching a superheroes beat each other up. It's like, yeah, yeah, (laughs) I'm just as strong as Wonder Woman woman Woo. so i i i thought i was going to really hate it but i think i just got into that zone of you know it's sort of dreamlike long languid style Did yeah it, this movie takes its time yeah it didn't upset me as much as i thought now i think a lot of the dialogue is a bit it's certainly not you know a snappy marvel piece and there's there's lines in there that just don't for me make a lot of sense like when the terrorist says to wonder woman i don't believe it and she goes believe it i'm like what is that line what is that it's not it's it's not not an exchange you say i don't believe it you'd go let me give you some proof or you know (laughs) or just like you can't stop me watch this motherfucker like there's options there, but don't, well, I mean, I don't that, that believe could, it. Like, she could literally say that because the, the, the people say fuck in this movie like yeah, a lot. Yeah, well, they do. And I didn't. And there's one great point where Batman, Ben Affleck, is driving his car around and it shuts down or something and he just goes, shit. <laughs> this is really great. Yeah. Like, shit. <laughs> I, I didn't mind that. <laughs> but again, I'm not. I wonder if it's because I'm more removed from this stuff. So I was able to go, 
this is not the worst thing. I thought I'd come out of it really like, oh, God, that was a real slog. Yeah. I found it very interesting because of this because of all of the pop culture mythology around it all and because yeah. of this internet drama, which we, we'll finish what you were saying, that's Absolutely. why I, f- I found it quite interesting, like watching a – what's that thing where they when you're dead and they cut you open? An autopsy. An autopsy, yeah. It felt a bit like kind of watching, like doing an autopsy on something and going, why did they make these choices? And, <laughs> and Well, exactly, yeah. That's what's fascinating about both of these movies. And this is, is that, you know, yeah. a lot of these people are really charismatic Uh you know, Gal Gadot, as I've said before multiple times, love her. Henry Cavill, very beautiful. Ben Affleck, tolerable. Jeremy Irons, <laughs> he's all right. He's all right. Jeremy Irons, charming. Jason Momoa, clearly incredibly charismatic, very yes. sexual, down for it, as we've said. And then you've got people like Cyborg, who I thought it was a bit of a slightly clunky performance, but it was like kind of that's what the character sort of is. And yeah, the- exactly. Yeah, Ray Fisher does fine with, with what he, yeah, he's asked and, to do. Yeah, and Barry Allen is kind of the cute comic relief as much as it can be, and uh, Lois yeah, is which there. which the flash is of yeah, Lois is also there. <laughs> Yeah, and, and then at the end, the Joker was there for some reason, but we'll oh, talk about that. Oh, God, we'll um, talk about that. Yeah, and so I just I found it kind of fascinating as opposed to Batman v Superman where I was like, oh, I have to get through this. The Snyder Cut is is a, it's a thing, I guess. So what happened then when the Joss Whedon version, you know, so you've got some tensions on set. That, that came out afterward. That didn't really come out when the movie No, it didn't really come out at the time. Like, like it, this, this was all post, like very much post uh, the movie coming out. And, of course, the... The movie came out. It had a very troubled production by that stage. There was not a lot of goodwill going into the premiere because you know people had hated Batman v Superman, and they and they had. It's not historical revisionism to sort of say that. Like it had not been well received. So this movie did not have the benefit of the doubt at all. People were waiting for it to fail, and it did fail. Like it is a it is an official bomb. I think it, wow. it made it made six hundred and fifty seven million worldwide against what would have been a break even point of seven hundred and fifty million means it it lost at least sixty million dollars. Wow. This is a A-tier superhero movie and it lost money in 2017. That's insane. Yeah. In the golden, the golden yeah. age of superhero. This yeah. is a movie with Batman, Superman and Wonder Woman in it and it tanked at the box, box office. This was an unmitigated failure. Now, a lot of people blame Joss Whedon for that. I think this movie would have struggled even if it was a flawless masterpiece. I think it probably would have had legs and it might have it might have broken even, but I think people were just sick. At this stage, I, rem- I remember quite clearly, people were just sick to death of this version of the DC universe. They were just done. Yeah. You know, it, it was it's it's aggressive and brooding and dark and boring. And people <laughs> people were just people were just done. They're like, we 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 can see much better movies you know, that have superheroes in them. There are choices now. You don't have to watch whatever crap is put in front of us. And so this movie just completely tanked. Now, in the meantime, there was a small but fairly steadily growing group of people who knew that, like, this was the Joss Whedon version and that it had, it had been deliberately sort of lightened up and, and made more colourful and more funny, more like a Marvel movie, basically, who were really into Zack Snyder's version of the DC Universe. And they started this hashtag campaign because that's what that's what you do now is you, you start a, a hashtag campaign, release the Snyder Cut, which has become quite famous now. 
And that very, continued. Well, very hysterically, there was released the butthole cut for the cats. Movie. <laughs> yes, yes, it's become it's become a meme, and then yeah, it's a meme now because in our most recent podcast, the Lego Batman one, we talked about not having made up our mind whether we'd even do the Snyder cut. Yes, uh, we both got a message from Greg of the Smart Enough to Know Better podcast <laughs> saying, "Release the Raven on cut of the Snyder cut." <laughs> <laughs> Which was somewhat gratifying. Uh, yes, exactly. Yes, <laughs> outweighed by several people who actually called in uh, after our last podcast and begged us not to cover this film. <laughs> well, if you are listening, those people, thank you for your time and your patience, and we will be getting to Robin Hood very soon. <laughs> yes, absolutely, we promise. Um, but basically, yeah. So, so at, at, it grew in in size and popularity. Uh, the, the release the Snyder Cut movement at this point over the course of you know the next couple of years. I don't think we would have seen this movie if not for COVID nineteen. <laughs> so we have COVID nineteen to thank for that as well. Truly, the worst thing that came out of the pandemic. Really? Well, basically, because what Warner's were doing was they wanted people to sign up for HBO Max. Ah. Uh... Right. And this was not, the, the Snyder Cut was not released, or it was released in some theatres, but it didn't get a wide release because, like, it was the it was in the middle of the closed. pandemic. Yeah. It was released in some places, but it was, its big premiere was on HBO Max. So oh. it was, it was basically, it's basically a four hour long loss leader to get people to sign up for an HBO Max subscription. There are people out there who are fans of this movie who are screaming at me right now, but that's what it is. <laughs> <laughs> that is what they did. They they gave Snyder some extra money. They gave him seventy million dollars wow. to do reshoots. You could make a whole film for that, like at like yes. a like a typical Hollywood film. I mean, obviously, yeah. you could make a budget film, five million dollar film, not the ones they make over. anymore, but. <laughs> No, but you could make it half decent. Like, like know, yeah, exactly. That, that's the film. budget of a of a mid tier movie that they don't really make anymore. But yes, like you could make yeah. a whole film for that, and they gave him seventy million dollars to go and 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 do that. Basically, he came back and was given the opportunity to basically make the film that he wanted to make. They were like, "Look, whatever you want to do, just go and do it." Like basically, <laughs> but but it's an important point. And it's something that I think bear, you need to bear in mind because the Snyder Cut is not what would have come out as Zack Snyder's Justice League initially. If his, you know, if his, if he didn't suffer a personal tragedy and had to step away from the production, if he was the director and Joss Whedon had never been involved, we would not have got a four-hour-long extended, you know, throw the kitchen sink at it movie in in Academy four to three ratio, right? That was not going to happen. So the people who think that this is like the purest version that, you know, and and a victory, it's not that simple. Like this is a different thing. Zack Snyder was allowed to come back and just go nuts, basically. They were like, Mm. look, just have at it and we'll put it out on HBO Max and there's enough buzz around it that people will sign up for an HBO Max subscription, and it'll be great. Everyone wins. And by all accounts, that they are very happy with how it did on HBO Max. And honestly, and we can talk about this a little bit more, but my hottest take is that this is easily a better film than the Joss Whedon version of Justice League. Okay. But I'll qualify that by saying I hate both of them. Um, <laughs> but in different ways, uh, I, which I is ap- interesting. <laughs> I can appreciate that this film is a turd flecked with gold paint, gold, <laughs> gold dust, versus Joss Whedon's turd that does not have gold dust yes. flecked through it. But and is, both- is, in fact, some of his turd and some, some of someone else's turd sort of smushed together. The fact remains they are both turds. Yes, so both turds. 
<laughs> We're dealing with shit here, people. <laughs> okay, so that is where we are. We are with so, two so that's versions. Where we, that's where we're at. Well, we haven't really addressed the, the Joss Whedon controversy, but to be honest, everyone else has, so I don't really need to – I don't think we need to sort of In- dig into that too much. If I can sort of try to sum up for you, yes, his wife dropped a bit, or his ex-wife, I should say, dropped a bit of a bombshell saying, yeah, he was totally screwing around all the time mm. while proclaiming to be a feminist, um, which absolutely did not surprise me when I read that article. I was like, it's always the ones who talk about how much of a feminist they are. <laughs> I'm sorry if I sound like I'm disingenuous, but it's, it's actions, not words, dudes. And uh, anyway. That's just my personal beef. We can talk about that later on the Raven on Feminist podcast. Um, (laughs) But uh, he then, all this sort of behaviour about on-set stuff and a bit of bullying and that kind of thing. And then was there something else? Well, there there was the big thing. Like, like, So so the the big thing that came out was that Ray Fisher publicly accused him on, on social media of, he, he said, he said like gross, inappropriate behaviour on set. And then it came out that, you know, he was this <laughs> this little dictator on set, basically, who was throwing his weight around. It seems that, like, Ray Fisher had a pretty good working relationship with uh, Zack Snyder, but when Joss Whedon took over, he basically took control of the production because, like, that's how Joss Whedon operates. Zack Snyder is, seems to be someone who, you know, his cast and crews really, really like him. He seems to be a really likable guy to, to work with. That is not the case, it turns out, with Joss Whedon now. Everything that has come out about him suggests that he is not very nice to work with and can be mm. a, a nightmare. It seemed that Ray Fisher had a really good working relationship with Zack Snyder. He had a lot of control over Cyborg as a character and even some input into like how scenes were played and how like you know the the dialogue that they delivered and he tried to continue that relationship with Joss Whedon and Joss Whedon seems to have shut him down quite aggressively and sort of said you know who do you think you are you don't tell me who I you know how to do this I'm Joss Whedon like go away you know that seems to be the bone of contention um he also says that like he was racist you know in various ways which you know I mean like people can read the accounts and judge that they like they they gets into all that um he also like famously clashed with Gal Gadot and sort of said weirdly because Gal Gadot at that point was already quite a famous person and and well established in Hollywood but basically like threatened her career and said like I I will end your career if you push back on on several things that he wanted to do with the character in his version of Justice League so basically really nasty toxic stuff yeah and I don't I feel like Gal Gadot is such a good Wonder Woman just in terms of in terms of she really fits the bill and you would think that Warner's would kind of have her back on that and they did it turns out she apparently had a quick conversation with some high, some people higher up and at that point like you know th- some mediation took place and it was decided that you know may- maybe Joss didn't have you know a leg to stand on and would not have so much interaction with Godot going forward yeah. um that seems to have been what happened basically it was a pretty toxic working environment everyone hated it this was around the point when Ben Affleck would be photographed in public like clutching like a Dunkin Donuts bag and <laughs> Looking generally like just miserable, despondent, um, despondent. Yeah, but with like um, the cigarette, was he smoking? With, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, those photos of, of him yeah. with a sad Ben Affleck with a cigarette, just like yeah, oh. yeah, yeah. That, that that was this time. That was around wow. this time. It was just wow. really, really awful time for everyone. Apparently, um, and then the the movie came out and it tanked. So like all that was for nothing. It's um, funny because you you know you go through those things in life. You go through 
a toxic work environment. You know, you and I have, have, have been in the trenches sometimes with sure. those kinds of things. Or I've done, you know, creative stuff that hasn't quite worked or hasn't fired or I've had arguments with other creatives or had, you know, those hard times. And it's really tough. And obviously someone like a Joss Whedon is, is there making it worse. Oftentimes it's just a tough environment all round. But when your mistakes are done, they're generally not as visible as no, a, that's right. as a billion yeah. dollar, you know, <laughs> international film juggernaut. That's so it. it really must be it really must be extra, extra, extra tough. And uh yeah, one of those times when you're like, maybe it's okay to not be famous. <laughs> yeah, that's right, exactly. Uh, fame is a double-edged sword. Mm. Um, I guess at the end of the day, like, you know, Zack Snyder has been proven right in various ways because he sort of came back and got to make his version, like like basically a version that he never would have gotten to make otherwise. He got to make his mm. version. And Joss Whedon is a pariah, uh, and quite rightly yeah. so. <laughs> it is. I mean, it's funny, isn't it, that, uh, you know, what we think about people and what they produce can often be so diametrically opposed because if you did yeah. said to anyone when say 300 came out and Joss Whedon was doing, I don't know, Dollhouse or whatever brand of Joss Whedon, Dross, Dross Whedon, I call him, uh, is, is <laughs> was doing. Cause I used to read things about Buffy where it's like, Oh, they would all get together at Joss's house on a Sunday night and read Shakespeare together. And they would have but like it turns karaoke out, parties and sure. But, but this is the thing, like it turns out like even that was like super toxic because he would only, he had like an inner circle and like people would, right. people would be invited in and then like cast out if they like offended the great Joss, you know, like all this sort wow. of thing. Like he was a real like little puppet master. Like it, it, it I was suppose, quite, quite gross. I suppose if it's part of your whole, cult of personality all of a sudden it's not we're mm. gathering together to have fun and read Shakespeare it's we've all got to go to Joss's house to keep Joss yeah. happy <laughs> yeah it puts a different yeah. spin on it doesn't it yeah it does it does I remember reading things about going wow how you know creative they must be as this great group of you know of performers and, and like there's a version there's a version of that that is completely innocent and lovely and you know yes it, t- it just t- it just turns out that this version was not that was, it was not just this weird, and so yeah by contrast, you've got someone like Zack Snyder who often does these quite violent or very stylized films where you think maybe it's about, you know, he often gets accused of being, uh, I don't know if a fascist, but fascist adjacent and war on terror justifying and that kind of Acc- stuff. But Accidental fascist, I think, is probably Accidental a good- fascist or whatever. But then all of a sudden it's like, oh, actually, he's a really nice dude who cares about his actors and tries to consider them yeah. in, in what they do and makes yeah. a, you know, safe as possible filming space for them. Uh, so yeah, it is it, your public face is not necessarily your private face. So now I'm thinking, oh, gosh, are people going to think Natalie is actually, <laughs> oh, maybe it could work for me. People are going to think, well, Natalie's actually not pathetic. She's actually really accomplished and she's not clumsy at all. Uh, she's actually incredibly coordinated. <laughs> she just puts on. She just puts on this air of uh, awkwardness, you know, for the world. Okay, yeah, I'll lean into that. I'll lean into mm, that. Yeah, yeah, Re- really, I, really play that up. I really have nightmares about you know because I obviously I write, I perform, I direct, and and wrangle cast, and I have nightmares of people branding me someone toxic to work with or a terrible boss or and I know that sometimes to be, to be publicly cancelled in other words is is, is your well, is your main fear yes but no a lot of it is just industry stuff like I don't think I'm at the level where anyone would give a shit on Twitter if you know I I'm not. I'm not at that level. It's it's more just the case that I really like working with people and I would hate 
for people who I like and admire to kind of go, actually, you were really toxic and I didn't feel safe and I didn't, mm. you know, that, that makes me feel incredibly nervous. So I'm always trying my best to not, sometimes possibly to my detriment to be like, oh, I'll make sure I work around these people. And then, and then actors, you know, they, they get up on you. Uh, <laughs> they can slip a few things, but no, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. Anyway, they, um, point, is, yeah. point is what you see isn't necessarily what's going on behind the scenes. No, that's right. Exactly. And it, it's why, and obviously, you know, you, you've done this like jokingly on the podcast, but like a lot of people very sincerely have used the, the most recent sort of uh, revelations about Joss Whedon's uh, actions as a justification of being like, see, he was always like crap, like, and his, and his, everything that he did was always crap. I really push back against that because it's like, no, people can't be geniuses and also be terrible people. Yes. You know what I mean? I, like it's, I, it, yeah, Stu, you, you, I agree yeah. with you. I do agree with you. I just have a very, very personal petty beef that's just sure. specific. Yes, I know. Yes, uh, exactly. And, and I and would people not, know that. People know you that. know, I am very aware and I'm very much, you can separate the art from the artist. I'm in that camp. Because I think that's the only way it can be. You have to make a decision yourself about whether you can appreciate something based on, you know, its values as a work versus the person who created it. And so I can say, all right, I can see Buffy and go, yes, at the time it was groundbreaking. It was, you know, did a lot of amazing stuff, was very beneficial and and game-changing in a number of ways. But I can also say Xena did it first, Joss Whedon is a hat. That might not be the best example. But, you know, Picasso, not a nice man, still genius painter. It is yeah. it is what it is. And, sure. yes, there's definitely arguments to be made that those geniuses probably push down people around them, like Thomas Edison, you could say a genius, but maybe a business genius more so than an inventing genius because his genius was making other people invent things that he then patented. So, hmm. like, I, I pre- things are more complex and more nuanced. Yes. In every case. In exactly. every case. And also, most people in the world in the past were bad. So, most people <laughs> now are bad. Most nice people get trampled on at some stage of their life and their achievements are, or, you know, you can't compete against other people. Uh, what was my point? Justice League. Let's get back to that. But let's talk about Justice League. That, I think that gives yeah. us plenty of context. You know, it was a, it was an extremely troubled production. You have not seen the Joss Whedon version, so you have only seen the Snyder cuts. So we'll, we'll we'll restrict ourselves mostly to talking about the Snyder cut, but I'll, well, I'll, I'll I'll jump in with like where the Joss Whedon version was different, and especially where that is interesting to talk about. Yes, and please do because no, definitely please do because there will be things that you'll say and I'll go what they did what because I <laughs> I watched uh, a couple of side by sides prompted by Eloise very kindly shout out to Eloise sent us a link of a, a clip of the Wonder Women uh, Wonder Women <laughs> I'm getting confused with the Batsmen the Wonder Women um, the, <laughs> the Wonder Woman scene where the random terrorists who just want to watch the world burn because that's what happens. The laziest shit. They, they they are generic terrorists who believe in terrorism. It's Roose Bolton. It's Roose it Bolton. It is. Yeah. And Roose Bolton. That's an insult to Roose Bolton. Roose Bolton had a plan. He had a strategy. He was a survivor. And they've taken him and gone. Oh no, we're incredibly well dressed terrorists who just want to blow ourselves up, man. Yeah, yeah. that's all we want to do. No, terrorists I mean, have an objection. <laughs> Objective. At least they're not brown. 
That's all I can say. Like, you know, at least they're not just a stereotype. Like they're, they're doing something specifically. I mean, to be per- perfectly fair. <laughs> it's okay when white people want to blow other white well, people. I mean, but this is the thing. Like, they, they don't just lean into the same <laughs> racist tropes that, that Hollywood has been doing for the last 20 years. They actually do something slightly well, different, but it, it turns into this weird, vague sort of what they actually are is people who think that the world needs to go back to the Stone Age because we're attracting aliens, basically. That that's their general oh. deal. Yes, exactly. You didn't get that from them, no. that, did you? But but that's basically what they what they want to do. That they think we're attracting too much t- attention. And okay. They, yeah, and, and so cool I, they're, dudes. They're, yeah, it's <laughs> bananas. It's just not nonsense. They're, they are faceless goons to be mown down by an incredibly <laughs> strong woman. Let's bring back smallpox and syphilis yes, and the yeah, plague. Sure. Like, you know, who knows? Who knows what they want to do? But you know, come on, guys, let's go back to the Stone Age. They exist uh, to be punched violently into a wall. And look, I'm not against that. But yes, Eloise no. sent through this side by side, and obviously there are cuts in. You know, the, the Snyder version is way longer, sure. but. It's really, really different, particularly in the colour grading, I noticed. Yes, and you yes. Can so tell that, that's that, famously a thing. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, obviously that, you know, it totally makes sense once I saw it because, you know, Snyder is the grim dark, you know. Yeah. But I didn't mind the colour palette for Snyder Cut. I, at least it, I felt, it felt very cohesive. You know, say yes. what you want about it being dark, but at least it seemed cohesive and it had its slightly lighter or more, what's the term, that more sort of blown out effects for lighter scenes. Desaturated. Desaturated, thank you. So that it, it had a bit more of that for some of the lighter moments. So, yeah. you know, but then I saw the the Whedon one side by side and it's the Marvel colours, you know, it's that bright. Yeah. Uh, Wonder Woman's got bright pink lips instead of kind of hmm. grayish something. And, yeah. and most of that was done digitally. I mean, the thing is like, like they basically, it's just grading on the film. Like, like yeah. Zack yeah, Snyder yeah, yeah, put yeah, like yeah, a grey yeah. filter over the top of things and Joss Whedon turned up the colour contrast. Like that's... They're, they're using the same footage in many cases, but they've done everything they can in the Joss Whedon version to make it colourful and light. And yeah. in the often making it weirdly anachronistic to what's actually happening on screen. That's right. Um, and then in the in the Zack Snyder version, it, it is all desaturated and very... Not not bland is the wrong word because it it is it's like a choice. You're right. It's a choice. Yeah. It's it's it is a choice. And and I I don't agree with it, but it's a choice. Like like and, and he's made it, and the film commits to it. And you've got to give him points for that. The the weird thing too, and I don't know whether you noticed that in the side by side comparison, but it gives a very good example of the different aspect ratios. Like this is maybe getting a little bit too nerdy for casual listeners, but basically the Joss Whedon version has a pretty standard sort of letterbox format where where it's sort of elongate like a rectangle that you're looking yeah, at. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whereas the Snyder cut for some reason he decided on a 4-3 what what used to be called the academy ratio, which is more like your old TV sets. Like it's it's a square yeah, basically. Yeah. I I had that moment of of watching it at some point going, "Hang on, have I adjusted my cuz I thought it would be like really long, you know when those movies and the the, the screen is only about a yeah, inch no. and the rest of your screen is black because it's He's so gone wide the screen. other way. He's yeah, gone the other way. I, I think it was because maybe he designed it for like IMAX or something initially. Well, he says that he he says he wanted it. It's a it's a format that works on IMAX, so you could you could conceivably show this film on an IMAX screen. But that doesn't make sense because this was always going to be released on HBO Max. It's, you're right. So he knew that these were going to be released on TVs. But the thing is, like everyone's TV is a rectangle these days. No one has a square yeah. TV anymore. So. Yes. 
it doesn't make a lot of sense. The, the, the one thing that I will say is that the framing of certain shots kind of works better. Like, I mean, he's, he's, he's using footage that he shot originally. So I yes. guess like, like just having that, that extra vertical space sometimes helps a bit, mm. especially in some of the bigger fight scenes. There's a lot of up and down in this film. I don't know how to explain it better than that, but because of all the flying, there's so much yes, flying yeah. that people are always shooting upwards. And so it gives you that extra height to show Superman kind of just woof up into the middle of the sky. And yeah. I don't know, maybe it's it's that kind of emphasis on the vertical rather than the horizontal where you can have those kind of face-to-face confrontations across a big empty paddock or you know sure at the very worst (laughs) it it doesn't yeah at at the very worst it doesn't hurt the film like like it's not it's not something that you're sitting there like constantly you 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 don't notice it after a few minutes like it's just it just sort of becomes how the film is presented to you but it's just another one of those weird things where it's like you know he he just got he got given carte blanche he wanted to make the whole thing black and white did you know that like like no he really pushed he was like could i make it all black and white and they were like absolutely not that's where we draw the line (laughs) yeah but i think i think you can watch a black and white version like like yeah, it does could, exist. Yeah, that kind of stark contrasty start of Casino Royale black and white. Yes, yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah. They did release a black and white version. I'm not sure if you can get it on like regular binge or whether you have to like order the Blu-ray or something, but like you can definitely get a, a black and white version of this film. Wow. Um, the promo still for it is black and white. Like he's just, it's the ultimate expression. In many ways, this film is the ultimate expression of every single Snyderism there is, you know, like the slow mo, the the posturing, the yeah, the gritty, like you know, brooding, and and then like desaturation to the point of literal black and white. This is where he had the the least interference, and he got to do basically whatever he wanted. Yeah, um, and and this is what we got for our sins. Indeed. <laughs> um, so we, we've talked a lot about the movie. Do you want to do the list? Lila, we'll do our, our minute challenges. Um, yes, we and that should. Can, that can give us a, a, a good sort of jumping off point to, we to talk should. about this. Can I go first? Because I suspect that... Absolutely. Please do. I'm getting the sense that you maybe don't like it as much as I did. Not that I loved it. <laughs> no, I mean, like, like we'll, we'll, we'll talk about it. We'll talk about it. Not that I loved it, but I just thought I should note down some of the things and then you can give your more experienced critique. So I mentioned Batman. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> Batman always has to be carried through this <laughs> through this film. And then and I wrote, I, I didn't hate this as much as I thought I was going to. Henry Cavill remains too beautiful for this world. I, he's I a beautiful man. He's a very, very beautiful man. There are so many sad children in this, in this movie. <laughs> you know, the, the Superman's sad about his dads and his mum and and his mum's sad about him and Batman's sad about his parents and and uh, Cyborg's sad about his dad and Barry Flash is sad that his dad's in prison even though his dad looks like he's his brother like he looks like the same age I didn't get that at all I was like how is that your dad even Steppenwolf is sad like he's a sad boy well, that leads into my next point, which yeah. is there are so many villains in this movie. That's it. Yes, I mean it's it's Ooh. kind of a it's a it's a key flaw of the original like conception of this movie is the dark side was going to be in it from the very beginning, and one of the ways that Whedon streamlined the movie, which I don't necessarily disagree with, is he got rid of all of the dark side apocalypse stuff and just made Steppenwolf the villain. Ah. Um, I don't disagree with that choice because he doesn't he doesn't discount Darkseid. I think Steppenwolf at one stage even says Darkseid for glorious Darkseid in the Joss Whedon version. 
Right. You know, so they were always leaving that door open. Yeah. But instead of having Darkseid just show up like he does in this movie, like they were still building towards him because mm. he he is the big bad. He's he's the Thanos of of well, DC of DC. Like <laughs> my next point was, and then Thanos shows up. <laughs> yes, exactly. Well, this is the thing. So the the, the a, a very quick trivia about Thanos. So Thanos was a ripoff of Darkseid. Oh, right? really? So Darkseid came first in the comics. Darkseid was in um, the comics. He was Jack Kirby's fourth world comics for DC. Darkseid already existed and Marvel basically ripped him off and created and combined two of the characters. So he looks like Darkseid, but he he has a little bit of, of a, a different character as well. And so he just, so so Thanos is a thing. And Thanos is basically home brand Darkseid, basically, for Marvel. <laughs> You know, he he doesn't have the same deal, but but you know, like big, super powerful space conqueror, like like that's him. And then hilariously, DC has a character called Mongol, who is a ripoff of Thanos. So DC has Darkseid gets ripped off in Thanos, and then DC return the favor and have a ripoff of a ripoff, and have a character called Mongol, who who is a ripoff of Thanos. What's hilarious is that, of course, Thanos made it to the screen first. So yeah. anything that they do with Darkseid just looks like they're copying Marvel when the opposite is true. Like Marvel copied DC and created this, this character. And I can, I can hear thousands of DC fanboys oh. just going, no, but Thanos is a, oh. It's frustrating too, because in the comics, Thanos like literally is in love with death. Like, like the, death is a character in Marvel comics. Like it's a personified character. Oh. And Thanos loves her, right? And, and so he he kills worlds in her name, basically. That's his motivation. Dude, Whereas you don't need to do that to impress no, a lady. No, no, you don't. You don't. It's you know, and they, they address that many times over the years. But <laughs> Darkseid, rather, is literally like the god of evil. Like he is the the dark side of humanity. That that's his point. Yeah, and and he is always searching for the anti life equation. So he wants to find this fabled uh, equation that will give him power over life itself, which sounds a lot yeah. more like like gaunt, Thanos gaunt, in the a, in the movie. Gauntlet? Yeah, some yeah. sort of gauntlet that that would yeah. give you power over the universe, you know. And so even in that way, they're hamstring because they can't show the difference between those two characters. And so they basically in this in this version they just say, look. Just forget it. Like, we're just going to do Darkseid. Like, you get it. He's not Thanos. We know they're similar. Let's just move past it. <laughs> He's also a great big guy. No hair. Lots of muscles. Yeah. He's not purple. He's not purple. Uh, he's not purple. He's slate gray. He's slate gray. <laughs> and he spells side S-E-I-D. So yes, indeed. that's how you know because he's a person. Ja- Because he was written by Jack Kirby. And Jack Kirby was an incredible artist, uh, but was not subtle. Oh right, okay. I thought you were gonna say dark, he's called Dark Side. I thought you were gonna say is not a good speller. An incredible artist. <laughs> terrible speller. Yeah, so so you know, they that that's a key difference between the two movies is that they completely jettison all of the Dark Side apocalypse stuff for the Joss Whedon version, but leave it all in. And in fact, apparently shot a lot more uh for this version. Well, um, that might go to my next point, which is what's with the CGI? There's some good CGI, I think. Although I'm not an expert, it's sometimes yes. hard to tell. But there's a few ropey bits, like because like Steppenwolf's suit, he's like I don't know if it's his yes. skin or a suit, but the armor and it it ruffles and it flecks and it it shifts yeah. and it's beautiful. It's quite it's quite cool. I love it. Yeah, and then you've got uh, when the Amazons are horse riding away from oh, from yes. Steppenwolf. Yeah. There's like this really 
ropey kind of quickly pick up this woman throw her on your back and it's like yeah. normal people don't move like this no. <laughs> like, no yeah this is uh and the horses that are all kind of in a charge and i'm like this looks like someone just copy and paste on a TikTok filter or something. I don't know. It's, yeah. So I just, so much money obviously went into it, but they still obviously had to kind of allocate resources to different parts of the film. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, they definitely reshot a lot of the Amazon stuff. And okay. the strange thing was that there's a big charge of the Amazons sort of seen in at one point, like like a whole bunch of Amazons on horseback come racing down a hill. A lot of that was part of the $70 million worth of reshoots. And I don't know where the money went uh, because it looks janky. Well, it, looks, it, looks, it looks green screen to hell. That's <laughs> like they, what I mean. Just, yeah. yeah, that's what I mean. It looks a bit... Looks a bit odd. Anyway, back to my list. Um, I then wrote, what power sets? So you talk, you talk about the power sets. Uh, I didn't write power sets. I went, you know, what are their powers? But essentially, I thought Aquaman's whole deal was water and fish. But in this one, he's like striking yes, his much. trident and, and he's he's blasting. He can fly kind of, mostly when he's thrown up and around, but he's... You know he's he's got cyborg. Well, he can't him. he can't fly very specifically because cyborg has to carry him. Yeah, but he can, so he, he can he can surf a parademon to the ground at one point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean that that, that tracks. I get that. That's fine. That's that's pretty cool. That's a very cool moment. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. I'm just but yeah. He's he's, he's um, helping he's, he's helping fight when they're first getting to dark sides at the very end of the film and they're attacking the dome and he's hmm. like in the air and and um. You know, Wonder Woman's throwing him to Cyborg, who's throwing him at a power demon. And it's like, quickly, everyone toss Aquaman. <laughs> he's very strong and he's pretty durable uh, because he lives under the, the the conceit in in the in the original comics was that because he lives under the ocean, he can he can withstand enormous pressure, so he must be very tough, and he has to be able to move underwater, so he must be very strong. Basically, that's the yeah. That's the thinking. But basically, if you if you want power sets, like he's he's not as tough as probably like Wonder Woman or Superman, but he's pretty strong, pretty tough. His trident is magical, so like he can do the like the shockwave yeah. things. Oh with yeah, it. his trident is magical, Stu. You don't his, need to. Yeah, I, absolutely. I I saw him in the flesh. Uh, not and I can, a euphemism. I can tell um, you that he yes. will have a very very uh, magical trident. <laughs> What, do you know? Do you know what? I love, do you know what I love though? Like the the joke always was that like it's it's actually not a trident because Zack Snyder made it like super awesome, cool, and made it have five points. So technically, ah, it's a five-dent or a pentadent or something. Pentadent. Um, I was watching the movie with the subtitles on, and they use the word five-dent to refer to the trident in the subtitles, the official subtitles of the movie. No. Which I thought was just ridiculous. Like, I'm like, are you kidding me right now? But it, it wouldn't be a five dent. It would be a quint, a quint dent. Cause like yeah, try. or like a pentadent or something. Yeah. It wouldn't be five <sighs> dent. You don't say a three dent. No, you don't. <laughs> anyway, very, very silly. So, yeah, he's, he's uh, super strong and powerful. The Flash should be the simplest. He can run really fast. That's his deal. But it gets seems- slightly complicated because he can. T- he, the way he runs fast is he taps into something called the speed force, which also gives him a very limited sort of electrical powers. But not he's not like an electrical superhero. Like he's not like Black Lightning or something who has like electrical powers. Like he he just can run really fast, and he's often depicted as having like lightning in his wake. And I think that it's usually stylistic, but over the years it's become more like literal. 
Um, right. So there's like question there, you know, basically he can run really fast. He also can like vibrate really fast, if that makes sense. So he can actually, if he gets the frequency rights, he can like walk through walls and things, but he's very rarely shown doing that in, in live action. But basically he can run really fast. He, he's a, he's a speedster. Yeah. And he's like so you cute. Get it. He's cute. And yeah, he, he's he, funny. He's usually portrayed as like, if he's in a team, he's usually the comic relief. He has a massive moment. His first introduction is when he's like saving a beautiful woman from a car. Yes. And yes, then yes. he's never seen again. Well, that's that's Iris West. So that, that's his main like love interest in the comics and, and in the Flash TV show and, and everything. Like, so that that's this version's nod to that. Okay. Uh, I quite liked uh, that intro. It's it's good, but it's one of those things when you when you think about the movie and you go, oh yeah, there was this whole intro to the yeah. Flash. Yeah. That's just there to set him up as a nice guy who's trying sure. to get jobs, but obviously can't hold them down because he's you know super fast. Yeah, I mean it. It, it sort of comes back from the, the 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 big running joke in the comics was always that he's the fastest man alive but he's usually late to work you know like he cuz he's off superheroing what's interesting is that the the Joss Whedon version completely jettisons all of that stuff all of that intro is not there oh wow um we are first introduced to him uh visiting his father in in jail that that's how we ah, get introduced okay. to him in I, the Joss I, Whedon version i don't see that as a bad thing that was probably again for cutting down you could just have him going i'm trying to get yeah. a job dad and his dad going that I mean, look, my, my issue was his dad going, no, forget me. Forget all about me, son. You don't have yeah. to tell. I'm, I'm a hold on your life. Like, I'm sorry. I have very, very generous parents. But I still feel like if they went to jail, they'd like me to visit. And they would, you know, would, would, I mean, my mum, my mum is the kind of person who actually would say that, don't bother and come and see me. You just live your own life. I'm sorry I murdered all those people, but you know, it was just a, it was a misunderstanding. Uh, but you know, you don't worry about me. I'll just serve my sentence and it'll be fine. I'll be fine in here. No, no, no. I think I've got a good thing going with the head of the commissariat. I'll, it's fine. They, they're getting me extra <laughs> knee bandages for my dodgy knee. My mum is that, is that nice. But, uh, yeah, I just feel like it's such a weird thing to be like, don't worry about me, kid. Just go on and live your life. He's like, no, clearly your kid loves you and wants to help you prove <laughs> yeah. that you're innocent from a murder. Like, dude, dude. Yeah, exactly. Just- and obviously all that, all that stuff is there to set up a future Flash movie, which now may or may not happen. So oh, okay. It's, it's superfluous. It doesn't need to be there. And, it, and, you know, it just it just drags the movie down. <laughs> Then he's kind of set up as this dude who can't hold down a job and then Batman finds him in his secret underground lair with about $50,000 worth of computer equipment. Yeah, and a super, like, high-tech speed suit that we have no idea how he got a hold of. Like, it just... Yeah. He says it's made out of the same stuff they use to coat the space shuttle. It's like, where would he have gotten that? I mean, he could have broken into somewhere. Sure, yeah, maybe. That's true. I don't know. Um, he went to space camp as a small child, <laughs> stole some. I mean, I suppose at least that was convenient. You didn't have to have him because I suppose you had Cyborg sort of discovering his powers. So you can't have two people discovering their powers. Yeah. It just slows the whole thing down. So the, in this case, Barry Allen is like, yeah, yeah, I'm a massive, massive speed demon, but I haven't worked out a way of getting a job. And it's like, but I'm sure you seem clever enough to set up some I don't know, online marketing hustles, side hustles or something, dude. Like get yourself a job as a freaking <laughs> get a paper route. My God, you'd be yeah. so fast. You'd get it done in about 10 minutes and then, you know, live high off the largesse of, I don't know. I, I can't, exp- I don't know. I'm sure I feel like running fast could, could be an asset in a number of jobs, but maybe I'm wrong. So yeah. So 
So Wonder Woman's obviously like a demigod, so she's got a whole bunch of stuff. Superman can sure. do everything. Aquaman can seemingly do everything except fly. And then there's and Cyborg. And talk to fish. And then there's Cyborg who's like does everything. Is that, yeah, is that so, yeah. true to the comics? Yeah, pretty much. I mean, he's very close to the comics. Cyborg only in the last, so I mean, I say recently, in the last sort of 10 or 15 years, has been associated with the Justice League. He was always on the Teen Titans. He was he was part of the, the Teen Titans uh, superhero team in DC, which also included uh, Robin at the time and various other people like Raven and, and Beast Boy and a couple of other people. So he was always like a, a teen superhero. And when DC did a big reset of their universe a, a few years ago called the New 52, they came out with a Justice League that had Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman, The Flash... Aquaman, Green Lantern, and Cyborg. They promoted Cyborg and said he's a he's a Justice League guy now. And yeah. so that's why he's here. Strangely, one of the, the most famous versions of Cyborg is the complete opposite of this, which is in the, the Teen Titans cartoon series and Teen Titans Go specifically, um, which is a very cartoony, jokey show with all these characters in it, where he is a wisecracking, happy-go-lucky character who like constantly hangs around with Beast Boy and like makes jokes and, and eats snacks. And things, um, which you know is a fan favorite. Like people love that version of the character, and yeah. then he shows up in this movie, and of course, it's a Zack, it's a Zack Snyder joint, so he's so dark and tortured. But like, I think it works. Like, I mean, you know, it makes sense that if you woke up and suddenly you were almost wholly like replaced by alien technology, you know, you might have some things to say about that. So you know, it doesn't. But it's still, not out of, out of nowhere. But is he got survivor's guilt because his mum died and he did? And how how is it that everyone's always having a really important conversation about? You're going to go far, kid, and just before car gets hit. Terrible tragedy occurs, yes. Like, just remind me to always keep my car-based conversations trivial, stupid, and in absolutely no way discussing the future. Uh, <laughs> I just want to have the most trivial conversations and then I'll be okay. But as soon as yeah. you start going, you know what? Today's the first day of the rest of my life or tomorrow's going to be a pretty good day or I'm really excited about that. You know, you're dead. That's just how it works according to movies. Sure, exactly. <laughs> but yeah, but I, you- I mean, he was tortured. I feel like if I thought I was dead and then I woke up and I had like this awesome kick-ass bionic body and I could like do everything, mm. I'd, I'd probably like go some people. <laughs> I'd assert my dominance through physical superiority. Yeah, totally. Yeah, I'd, I'd embrace um, being a cyborg woman. Sure. At least I wouldn't hey. have to worry about dieting anymore. My God. Well, that's right. It sounds really good, actually. Can someone <laughs> please remove my human body and install me with a really cool kick-ass cyborg body so I never have to worry about dieting, my weight, my appearance, my desperation to recapture my youth at at all ever again. (laughs) If I could have that, actually, I'd be quite happy to volunteer uh, for that. If you want to cyborg me up, call in. (laughs) At Girl Clumsy, if you've got a secret lair and you're working on, you know, some sort of bodily replacement mechanisms i'm willing to do that because uh this 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 and i'm gesturing just to my body (laughs) i know i should love it and praise it and thank you very much body thank you for taking me to the gym today and not dying thank you but also if you're a cyborg how cool would that be not just saying my knees wouldn't ache when i did squats anymore because i wouldn't have to do squats anymore because i'm a cyborg and i don't need to exercise anymore Mm, that's right and i wouldn't even eat anymore because i assume cyborgs don't need like organic food no, no, they, they need... Um, so if I maybe. ate, I could just like eat and it would just go into some sort of dump bucket that I could just empty out. And it's like, 
Well, you, you just you just put down the drip tray and like change the oil filter. Yeah, I'd just be like, you know what? I'm getting all of the delicious taste of all of this terrible junk food, but I'm still operating on 100% full maximum power because I'm a fucking cyborg. <laughs> <laughs> I'm getting the sense that Cyborg was your favorite character. <laughs> no, I didn't really. I mean, I'd probably Wonder Woman's my favorite character. And sure, then, yes. And then <laughs> Superman because all he has to do is show up. Turn on his Superman. He turns on his flicky eyes and then just goes and punches people. Like that's all he does. It's like, look good, punch people. That's it's it's ridiculous how overpowered he is in this in this movie where he just sort of he just solves the problem by showing up. And that's that's why I said you know you can't have him show up too early because he's going to solve all your problems. Yeah, I'd heard that the Flash was faster than Superman. That's always been my assertion because the Flash has to be faster than Superman because otherwise, what's the point of the Flash? Mm Hmm. Right. Just from a storytelling perspective, what's the what's the point of the Flash if Superman's around? What's the point of any other superhero if yeah. Superman is in your universe? And that's your job as a writer is to come up with the answer to that question. Yeah, and as a writer, I'm going too hard, too, too hard, hard, too hard. Just um, just keep him, him dead for most of the movie. Put him on ice for most of the movie. Yeah, yeah. yeah probably Wonder Woman or Aquaman's cool. Has a few cool sure. lines. Yeah, he's yeah. Kind I of mean, like that... he, like when Cyborg picks him up out of the sky and he's like, "You're welcome," and he's like, "My man." <laughs> that's fun enough and that a lot of people attributed to joss whedon but turns out was in the snyder cut as well there you go um, the, the interesting thing uh, this is probably a good place to talk about it is that um this is not the traditional sort of lineup of the justice league in the comics and in various like cartoons that have come out and that sort of thing the traditional lineup of the justice league and, and it's sort of it changed it changes a lot it changes a lot but like the, the the main sort of characters obviously superman batman wonder woman the flash aquaman noticeably absent is green lantern green lantern is almost always part of the justice league in the comics and and in other like you know cartoons and stuff noticeably absent here that they have a green lantern show up in the flashbacks yes they're acknowledging yeah. that the green lantern core exists but no Green Lantern here, almost exclusively because the Ryan Reynolds uh, Green Lantern movie was a box office poison. And they were still like smarting over that. So they, did, they didn't want Green Lantern anywhere near this movie. They were like, um, that's, just, that's just one step in yeah. too far. It, it's one risk too many. <laughs> we don't want Green Lantern anywhere near this movie. The one final main character that, that is normally part of the Justice League, and in fact, in the comics, Cyborg basically took his spot, is the Martian Manhunter. Uh, John Jones, okay, who so- shows up at the end of this goddamn movie, and it no, turns out it was the general guy the whole time. Yeah, so he shows up halfway through talking to Lois. Oh yes. Now I can agree with you that I hated that because I hate I hate it when people have an intimate moment between two characters yes. that's very genuine, and it was this nice moment of Mark Kent saying, "Hey Lois, this sucks. Yeah. Clark's gone." but we have to move on. He would want us to move on. We have to rejoin the land of the living. This is what you can do for me as his mother. And that has an effect on Lois. And that yeah. is truthful and genuine and lovely. And then Mark Kent walks out of the apartment and then all of a sudden shapeshifts into some dude. Yes. And I was like, what? So that was all just... That would have been baffling to you, I imagine. That was so baffling to me. I couldn't remember if I'd seen him before in this movie no you had not you had okay and i don't understand anyway and it's just this this army guy you saw him in batman v superman he was in batman v superman okay so Um, i feel like he kind of looked vaguely familiar but because i you know i was like wait was he in the first hour that i had 
was watching sl- slightly doing the podcast <laughs> editing as well. So did I just miss that or was it in Batman v Superman? Anyway, and I was like, okay, so that's some random. And then I had kind of written a note at some point going, who was that random guy? And then got to the epilogue, yes. which we can talk about. the, yeah. And then all of a sudden this random, I, I thought it was freaking, uh, who's the guy with the thing in his head? You know, the Wanda. Uh, uh, vision. Vision. He kind of like floats down like vision. And I'm like, who the hell is this guy? And then Bruce Wayne is thankfully having much the same reaction, which is like, uh, can I help you? <laughs> He's like, yes, I, I have a stake in this earth and I've taken many forms. And then finally just says, geez, we could have used your help. Yeah. And then says, and by the way, some call me the Martian Manhunter. And I just went, <laughs> what? Yeah. Exactly. The, the worst possible way to do that. The worst possible way to introduce that character. That is a character who's pretty goofy and you have to do a lot of shoe leather to like justify his existence. And instead he just drops him as an afterthought I, at the so end of the movie. Can I just ask, is it the Martian Manhunter because he hunts Martians? Or is he a Martian who hunts men? So in the in the comics, he is a he's a shapeshifter, obviously, so he can take a human form, and he normally is either a police detective or a private detective. So so he's a manhunter. He 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 finds like criminals. So so he's the he's the Martian manhunter. Uh... I, I never said it had to make sense. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still confused, honestly. He's from, uh, he's from Mars, so he's a he's oh, a he's a Martian. He's but from he is Mars. a Martian. Yes, because I, I thought I was like, oh, is he someone who's hunting Martians? No, so so he, no, he he's the last Martian. of the Martians. He's he's the there's a lot of lore that we could go into, but basically he's the last of the Martians. So he's kind okay. of a Superman type deal. Stu, going to suggest yep. to you that last of the Martians, cooler name. <laughs> Yeah, the last Martian or something like that. Like, yeah. his name is uh, John Johns. So usually he's called like John Jones when he's like a, a super when he's in his human form. John Johns. Yeah, with two like, Z's. Oh, okay, Johns. So J O H N J O N Z. No, no, no. So so J apostrophe O double N J apostrophe O double Z. John Jaws. Yeah, John which is jo- which is usually transliterated to uh, John Jones when he's a, a human. Wow. You geeks really yeah. accept yeah, yeah. a whole bunch of weird shit, don't you? You really... Hey, the Marvel movies have a talking tree and a raccoon that fires lasers. So, I mean, like, look... My point exactly, but it's... Yeah. it's 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 The fantasy apostrophes is the crossover with the fantasy yes. world that uh, <laughs> I didn't realise the superhero world had. Oh, oh yeah, that's that's all over there. But basically, yeah. So, I mean, like, he's a, he's a hard sell of a character, so I know why they didn't push him forward as part of the team. But, I mean, you can't just drop him at the end then. If you're not going to have him as part of the main cast, you can't just have him as an afterthought. He needs more work than that, you know? Like, he needs well, more justification. Because it, it was the way it was like a mic drop, like, they call me the Martian Manhunter, and I'm yeah. like, do they now? Do they? Do they? And who, who does? And, and what, do, what do this entail? Hunting Martians? Hunting men? I don't know. Wearing a cape, looking like Vision. <laughs> Flying up to Batman's little lakeside pied Um <laughs> I think that's the French term. I don't know. I could be getting that very wrong. But yeah, Bruce Wayne's got like a little cool 
house on the lake. Like the little he, cabin, lake, lake house sort Yeah, of just where he goes to get away from his enormous stately Wayne Manor. Yeah. Uh, which becomes the headquarters, I assume, for the for the Justice League based on discussions at the end. I think so. I mean, the, the, the reference they're making there is it's going to be the Hall of Justice. So it's going to be like their, their headquarters, yeah. Right, yeah, because he talks um, about having a, a round table. Yeah, big table in the middle. You know, six chairs. But room for more, says room Diana. Room for more. Uh, just to finish my list, because we're getting on in time, but I think people <laughs> yes. will... I think people will be enthralled by our dissection of, of sure. this Justice League thing. Oh, the anti-life, yes, fine. It's some sort of the, the NASCAR lines, some sort of lines in the sand. Oh, it's course, bizarre. Like, it's never been that ever except for this movie. Um, oh, okay. It's, yeah, it's uh, just, it's, oh, it's uh, Obviously it's so would be on Earth. We're the greatest planet. Sure. We're where, we're where all the things are. Everyone yeah. wants us. Darkseid's already eaten 100,000 worlds, but hey, we're Earth. We're Earth. We're special. We are special. There was something I just wanted to... Oh, okay. So here's my last thing. At the very end, we get Joker. Actually, I forgot to write Joker on my list. I've got Joker written down elsewhere when I was trying to think of discussion points. Jared Uh, Leto's Joker specifically. And and we'll talk about that. But I just just wanted to raise a point. Arkham Asylum, at the very end, you see (laughs) that Luther's escaped Arkham Asylum somehow. Mm -hmm. Yeah. He's replaced himself with some other balding lunatic who's laughing. Right. Okay, great. It starts in Arkham Asylum and then it cuts to the outside of Arkham Asylum and you see a, a, a plate that says Arkham Asylum, home for the emotionally troubled. It's, it's you know, it's like a little plate on the gate okay. of Arkham. Yeah. Yeah. And then underneath that it says built 1974 and then it cuts away to the most Victorian, gothic-looking, dark <laughs> chimney stack, no windows, dank lighting, a building that looks like it came from Dickensian England. Sure, yes, yes. And I laughed and then I went, hang on, in fairness, maybe it actually said 1874 because that would make sense. Great yeah. big dank building. I know that buildings built in 1974 probably not great, but they wouldn't look. They'd be a big concrete slab. They wouldn't look like this bizarre yeah. Victorian bedlam hospital. Yes, exactly. Uh, so I went back and I zoomed in and I screenshotted, and yes, it says built 1974, and that to me was one of the biggest things that made me laugh about. Again, so I'm sorry, but you do not get giant Gothic Victorian Dickensian. Poverty-stricken Bedlam hospitals built in 1974. <laughs> I know it seems like a long time ago. It was not Victorian-era exactly. Western yes. archeal- architecture time. Come on. That is where, Stu, that is where in this movie Natalie draws the line. Yeah, that is exactly. what- <laughs> we're, we're fighting yet another place where Natalie draws the line. That is where and I it, was pushed over the edge. It's at a lack of brutalist architecture. Yes. Well- Quite frankly, yes, it was too. You would have a great big concrete slab, and I'm sorry. I, even if Gotham is is spooky and gothic, like I'm sorry, 1974. Well, again, it's just one of those weird production choices that just complicates things. Like, why would they say it's not built 1974? There would be no reason to put like that on the thing. Why is it a reference? I don't know. It's just strange. I, I don't know if it's a reference to something. If it is, I'm not sure what it is. It's just very strange. It's just one of those silly little things that just makes a problem. I have a few other things written down, but let's go to your list and try and clear that out of the way. Absolutely. Okay. Well, let's. So, I, I, the first thing I wrote down was uh, the Justice League versus Snyder Cut Dawn of uh 
the second thing on my list was so much blood. I know this has this this has an R rating from this movie, so they can Does say it? fuck a they can say fuck a couple of times and they can show blood, which is obviously what Zack Snyder was after. There's um, blood. There's blood. Like we were talking, we were talking before about the the Wonder Woman scene, right? Where where she first sort of fights those terrorists in the museum. She's throwing people against the wall, and you see visible splatters of blood on the wall where she's thrown them. Right? Did you not pick up on that? It's definitely not in the Joss Whedon version. Oh, okay. Right? She's she's throwing these men against the wall and they are splatting against the wall. It's incredibly violent to the point where it becomes quite incongruous. Like when she saves them and she turns around to the, there's a little girl who sort of says, I want to be just like you when I grow up. And I'm like, what, a killer? Like, what are you talking about? This well, woman, also, she just murdered those men. Also, she goes, you can be anything you want to be. And it's like, well, you can't be like her. She's a half god. Yeah. I yeah. mean, I'm sorry, <laughs> but you can't. Well, you know, you can be anything so, you want to be. Sure. I can also be an immortal god with magical, mystical powers. Oh, oh no, a... no, absolutely not. <laughs> it's just bizarre. I miss the blood. I really did miss the blood. Maybe I was just primed to look for it. I don't know. And then, and then also, later, yeah. later on, when Steppenwolf is fighting the the Amazons, there's like big gouts of blood coming out when he's like hitting them with the axe, which I guess is ah. like far more realistic in many ways, um, yeah. because like the the, the Joss Whedon version is, is like like many superhero movies, very bloodless because it has to get a PG thirteen rating, you know. But there's no such concerns in this one, so they just hack away, buddy. Like I've got this you know, scene up, and there's a couple of blood, but there's a lot who are being slammed against walls and just dropping down. So there's one there's one dude in particular who she kind of throws again throws across the room, and he slams into the opposite wall, and like the wall crumbles around him, and there's like blood splatters on the wall. I, I was shocked to see that when I first saw it. All right, well, I, I see a like, blood wow. splatter left yeah. over. I'm used to Game of Thrones, Stu. This felt like nothing. I didn't even pick sure. Up on yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> Oh wait! It okay, wow. Anything. I just it just was. Pl- I've got it playing on silent, and he he's just picked up a gun from a colleague. This is Bruce Bolton. He's just picked up a gun from a dead colleague who's like got blood all around his head on the floor. So yes, okay, yes. yes, I see that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I I missed it at the time. Oh, also, I I wrote this down on my other notes. But in this scene, he has a gun trained at the kids, and then goes, "No, that's not good enough." Picks up a machine gun. Yes. Wonder Woman turns up and blocks a bullet, and then he goes, "I know, I'll flick it to like automatic." And then you see all these like old dudes who are obviously members of the whatever they are. And none of them have tried to hide any of the kids or put, they're all just sitting there going, no, shoot the kids first. (laughs) Like none of the adults are like trying to, I assume that in those situations you tend to put, I I, I don't have children. I don't, maybe that's why you have children to push them in front of you. If something is fine. So Um, so you can construct a human shield. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Maybe that's why. But yeah, I just assumed that you'd have a scene like that. You'd go, okay, can we get the actors, the adult actors in this jostling, try and, you know, grab a kid and shove them behind you so we can show that, you know, you're you're trying your best to, I know what's happening very quickly, but. Oh, and then his hat floats down. Sorry, I'm just watching the end of the scene. It's filmed with such like meaning. There's this cop looking at his hat and, and looking up at, you know, the room. But there's yeah. no meaning in it. There's no. No, there's nothing. It's empty. It's completely it, empty. It, it's meaningless. It's like, oh, look, a victory. But actually. But not. Well, I mean, if you. <laughs> like, the, the terrorists' goal was to blow up the museum. And at the end, Wonder Woman blows up the museum. Like, she Only causes a floor. basically Only a just floor. as much. I, I think she causes just as much damage as that bomb would have caused. <laughs> it's a pretty big bomb. 
she does the the gauntlet thing and like yeah. which is such overkill for that guy. He's just a guy and she yeah, does her yeah. gauntlet move and uh, like we are led to believe he's been vaporized. Like he is Yes. He does not exist anymore. No. You know, and his hat sort of floats down. Yeah. Like she blew out the side of the building. She didn't have to do that. She's demonstrated that she did not have to do that. But geez, it looked cool. <laughs> you know, it's just, uh, God damn it. It did look cool. Allowed for some symbolism. <sighs> uh, speaking of looking cool, uh, the next item on my list was Batman says a swear word. He threatens to fucking kill the Joker. Yeah, okay. Uh, thing, so is, you know. is this a good time then to talk Let, about Let's talk about it. Let's talk about it. Joker bit because. I found this baffling. Uh, yes, absolutely baffling. <laughs> because now- I I understood now, based on remember with Batman v Superman, I didn't yes. understand that whole weird parademons sure. future Superman culty thing. And you told yeah. me it was all laying the groundwork for some future movie something. Yeah. Okay, great. So in this film, parademons showed up. They were they were Steppenwolf's. Also, sure. was Steppenwolf named after the band or was the band named after Steppenwolf? Like, was... I don't actually know. I'm not sure. It's a cool name, Steppenwolf. But because it's a band name, I'm like, it's called Steppenwolf. <laughs> <laughs> I like to dream, dream. Where's your magic carpet, Steppenwolf? Do, do, <laughs> like nobody made that joke at him once. And I feel like that was yes. a missed opportunity. So Parademons showed up in this movie. So great. I now can go back to Batman v Superman and go, oh, those were the things that Batman was like dreaming of, foreseeing. Yeah. Parademons. Okay, they showed up here. They're real. They belong to Steppenwolf and his magic carpet. Then at the end, he has another massive dream. Yes. Uh, I mean, we have one ending, which is Luther's escaped. Turns out he's on a massive yacht. Turns out he's got Deadpool over for drinks, Mm. but it's not Deadpool. (laughs) It's the other guy, which I only know because of context. Well, learned. again, like this is the thing. Like, so uh, <laughs> if you didn't it, it, have it's, the it's, context, it's it's Deathstroke. His name is Deathstroke, and yes, Deadpool is a ripoff of Deathstroke. Of that's, Deathstroke, yeah. So that's that's. Yeah. I'm aware that Deadpool is a ripoff of a of a DC character, and yes. so he was done specifically to kind of take the Mickey out of that. But it was yeah. the way he. You know, he even has the same sticks or whatever it is coming out the back. And, yes. And, he, and I don't know who the actor was who played Deathstroke. Um, that was, I'm trying to remember his name off the top of my head. I'll, it'll come to me. But but, but yes, he wasn't he's... super famous. So they do this whole thing where he takes off his mask and his helmet. And I'm like, I don't know who you are, sir. But, okay, he's got a bone to pick with Batman because Batman's taken his eye and he wants to, and oh, Batman's Bruce Wayne. So I can go fuck him up. Great. And then you have Bruce Wayne having a dream where he's leading some sort of rebellious insurgent group. And this Deathstroke guy is on the insurgent group and Aquaman is apparently dead. And Mira yeah, well, the, is the there. idea is they're they're all working to like the heroes and villains are working together to fight off the, this alien menace, basically. Right, and then we have to stop because oh no, we're we've got to keep moving. We could get spotted at any moment. Uh, but let's have the Joker and Batman have a moment where I'm assuming what they did was they either gave or just asked Jared Leto to bring his own pingers and <laughs> put him. <laughs> <laughs> Put him in some makeup, got him to chew on some fake blood, and then went, all right, just do whatever. 
Do whatever. Do some acting, Jared Leto. And then uh, Batman was like, and I will fucking kill you. And I had a moment of going, wow, that's full on. And then I had a secondary brain moment of going, I thought Batman didn't kill. I thought that was the whole thing. Well, I mean, Uh, first of all, not in Zack Snyder's movies. He kills a bunch of people. But yes, like that's, you know, it's it's dumb and and crap and and boring. And and I don't know why it's in there. He's saying, I'm going to offer you a truce, Batman. We're going to, we can work together and, but it's all your fault and something about Lois is dead Lois suffered and the other thing I had written down was so does that mean Superman's going to be evil now because then Superman turns up with his like woo eyes and so is Superman evil he's in What's going on? No, no, nothing of consequence. This is the thing. It makes no difference. It doesn't have any bearing on the movie that we're watching. It's it's like this. The, the only reason it's here is because Zack Snyder had the opportunity to film a bunch of extra stuff. And this is some of what he d- chose to do. He, he This was all new. None, none of this was going to be in the movie initially. This is all stuff that he did in the reshoots. He, he oh, got, wow. Yeah, because this was probably going to be like in the second or third Justice League movie. You know, like that they would have seeded a lot of this stuff and then there would have been this whole like time crisis sort of thing that would have happened, which they kind of allude to. They're kind of setting up with the ending of this movie where they beef it. Like the Justice League fully fail first go round, and then Flash has to run back in time to stop them messing it up a second time, you know? Is so that I, what happened? Yes, yes, it is. Yes, I, I, that, that it isn't immediately clear, but that is what happened, yes. I did not pick up on that at all. Yeah. So he yeah, got yeah, yeah. So hang on, so he got he got shot by a parademon and that broke his running in circles large hadron collider style. <laughs> yes. Yeah. You know, smashing Adams thing. And then some stuff happened. So he went back in time and then yes. and stopped. Okay, walk me I don't understand. I'm conv- I what I <laughs> So, so this went- is the thing. So 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 Flash can sometimes run so fast that he goes back in time. Basically, it's How- happened in the comics. So what does he run? Does he jog backwards? Went to do that? Like I mean, like this is the thing. Like you normally need to have like specific things happen. In this one, it's basically he just has to run really fast and also have like a a weird voiceover where he explores his daddy issues in real time. Yeah, what was that all? See, I nothing. Was so- it meant nothing. I was so busy watching that going, they're doing so much slow-mo where he's going, don't worry, dad, I'm, whatever happens, I'm going to be one of the best. And I was like, oh, okay, so he's obviously going to have to sacrifice himself to allow Cyborg to create, but then why would he sacrifice himself? He's a new character. Why would they kill him yeah. off straight away? They've got movies probably planned for him. And then I did not pick up that it was – Yeah, no, he was, he was traveling back in time so that he could deliver the charge – in time to right when he gets like hit first time like it's a pretty pretty nasty injury but well, because he has he... like a hyper accelerated like metabolism he can heal really quickly right because i was wondering quickly enough to to help the guys and so the unity happens the shockwave happens and they all get they all die uh, and so he has to run back in time basically and be like oh try again they all died yes Super- superman yes. and and batman and yes they did yeah absolutely they die what happened that I missed this? It destroys the planet. Like, like like Earth Earth is destroyed in that in that shockwave. Like they don't explicitly show that, but that that is the the implication. And and all of the heroes who are standing next to it, next to the unity when it happens, are obliterated. Okay, I'm going to just try to find that bit in No, I've gone forward to where Batman's bought Superman's house back by buying the bank. Uh that was a cute joke. How did you get <laughs> buy the house back off the bank? I bought the bank. How rich is Bruce Wayne? Like, seriously, how 
rich enough this is the thing rich enough to be batman he has as much money as is required to be batman yeah which seems a very flat because in the christopher nolan batman movies and to a degree in like the 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 80s 90s ones you see a little bit of bruce wayne doing business but you don't see ben affleck doing business at all no there's very little bruce waning he goes to one fancy do in batman v superman but yeah he doesn't okay okay so there it goes he's been shot no i missed it what's going on I'm going to have to go back and watch this again uh, to see if, in fact, you are right. <laughs> that if indeed. I, I'm right. They, they all die and he has to run back oh, in time. Oh, okay. The, so I've just, I've just, I've been able to fast forward to the point where he's gone far enough back that obviously the cyborg had exploded. So he kind of de exploded and then yes. flushed up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Him. Right. Yeah. So where does he explode? And how did I miss yeah, they, this? Yeah, they die. They, they all die. <laughs> like they, You're they fail. Breaking and, so and then... much news. <laughs> They they die. They they all die. (laughs) They're dead, Dave. They're all dead. They're dead. They're dead. They're dead. Everyone's dead, Dave. Everyone's dead, Dave. They're all dead. Is this different between the Snyder cut and the Joss Whedon cut, maybe? Because I just got to the point where he got blasted by a parademon and then Batman shoots that parademon and says, you know, Barry, are you okay? Because Batman's obviously standing on the outside because he's no use being inside. It's almost synchronized. Wait, 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 just wait. Gotta heal, Barry, gotta heal. I realise we're taking up valuable time. (laughs) I'll probably cut this out. We can cut a lot of this out, yes. They're not dead. There's no point where they're dead. And then they they die. The thing happens and they die. Right. It it just doesn't show dead bodies. All of a sudden it's just an explosion. Yeah, but the the implication is like they died. And then Flash uh, has to to run real fast. I don't know why I assumed they would outlive that giant blast. No, uh, they died. So so they they died and then he has to run back in time to, to... stop it from happening basically he just says he's got to run faster than the speed of light and he's got to do yes, it now which will, which will take you back in time according to this movie's physics right this would have been good information to know because <laughs> i didn't think that you could go back in time at the speed of light i thought i mean no no you can't it's, it's, it's nonsense it's, it's fantasy you, it's fantasy no, stuff when, it's fine okay all right great because if you're in like <laughs> Well, I'm very confused. Okay, so the ground is like forming back underneath his feet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he's right. going back in time. He's going back he's to going before back the time. unity happened and giving Cyborg the charge that he needs to blow apart the unity. In the Joss Whedon version, Superman and Cyborg work together to pull the, the mother boxes apart. And, that does um, happen Flash a little bit really... here. Yeah, yeah, they yeah, hold... exactly. But but they get they get rid of all the, the Flash stuff, all the all the all the Flash going back in time stuff. That that's not in the ah. Joss Whedon version. Okay, so it's just again a quickly... the final confrontation is very streamlined, right? But crucially, um, in that they give Flash something to do in the Joss Whedon version by having him and Superman go and help a bunch of like civilians who are in the the area get out of the way. So they go and save a bunch of people. Don't you, you, know, don't you think like, civilians like how, like how superheroes do? But don't you think civilians could probably see the giant electrical charges and explosions and rumblings and stuff? Yeah, and kind of I mean, like... again, it's not perfect, but you know, it, it's. It acknowledges that there are some civilians around and maybe the superheroes should help them before they uh, set off giant giant energy discharges. Okay, I'm sensing a theme here, Stu. I'm sensing a theme. <laughs> I'm sensing that it's you think perfect, the superheroes, yeah. superheroes in this film don't act the way superheroes perhaps should. Is that what you're... Well, I mean, you know, they're, they're, they're fighting against the big bad guy, which which is something that they often do. I just think, like, in the in the clash of gods and monsters, like, I, I think Zack Snyder is very uninterested in regular people. 
it's very true. Regular Which again is a choice. Boring. It's a choice. It's not a choice I, yeah. I agree with, but you know, it's a choice that he makes and, and this film justifies it a lot more than the other movie does. Than, than we the have Joss kind of does. yeah, we have kind of like squishy bodies that aren't very exciting, and yeah. there are no superpowers. That's probably no. why Batman is kind of crap in this. <laughs> well, exactly, exactly. He's just He's a regular just a guy. guy really. <laughs> He's just Bruce Wayne. He's just like us, you know. Yeah, exactly. They have a point where Wonder Woman says, "Let's get dressed. We need to get dressed," and then they don't show it. I just really wanted to see Bruce Wayne getting in that bat suit. You, you wanted you wanted like a Schumacher style, like close up on the ass and crotch. Like- <laughs> no, no, no. I want an action. No, not the not the not the spin the the bat butt, but just like his suit. At a couple occasions where he picks it up, it looks kind of ropey. At like it's so big and bulky, but then around the crotch, it kind of looks a bit baggy in some. Like it looks like it would have been incredibly uncomfortable to wear because you've Mm. got again Batman like picking up I don't know a cyborg or Flash or someone and like helping them run off, and it's just really baggy in the crotch and and it's like. It just looks like he'd be running on the spot going, I can't move, I can't. <laughs> and then they, they go to all this effort in this final fight to show him, like, you know, doing flips and shooting grappling hooks and stuff. And yeah. it's like, it's not believable, dude. Come on, you're waddling. Even at the end, they have a shot of them all getting back on top of this tower. Rather, they show Batman, like, his hand coming over. He's got his grappling hook and he's, like, grappled his way back up. And then Superman reaches down and just, like, pulls him up. Pulls him and up, And the yeah. rest of them, the rest of them are all standing there. Yeah. <laughs> They're just yeah. all standing there. And, and it's, it's so like- weird because, like, Zack Snyder is, is such a Batman fan. And this this is still, like, kind of a Batman movie. But and even yet- how did Aquaman, someone obviously gave Aquaman a, a hoist up to this. Yeah, that's right. I, I don't know. I don't know that Wonder Woman can fly, but she can jump she can, high, She can. She can fly, yes. And at the very least, she can jump high, but she can fly. Yeah, yes. so she can fly. All right, so she can fly. Superman can fly. Cyborg can fly. Flash can just run fast enough, I guess, to run yeah, up a tower. Exactly. Yeah. There were enough people to give Batman a lift as well, but it was like yeah. Batman's well, he has like, to no, climb guys. up himself. Guys, I've got this. I can do it. I'm, I can do this. I'm, I'm Batman. I'm Batman. It felt like a Lego Batman movie yeah. moment, if that makes yeah. sense. Absolutely. Like, don't worry. I don't need your help. I'm Batman. <laughs> yeah. Just, yeah. Again, little moments like that that just made me go, what's going on? Yeah, uh, exactly. Like like little little moments that aren't very well thought through and, and raise those questions, those exact questions. The next item on my list was in capital letters, daddy issues, because everyone well, has a daddy issue in this movie. Jinx, 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 jinx. Yeah, yep, yep, yep. So many sad children. The next item on my list was, uh, I guess Superman just wears black now? Yeah. So in the the movie, in the Joss Whedon version, when he comes back, like like they have the big fight and it's pretty similar. There's that cool moment, I will say, it's a cool moment when Aquaman and, and Wonder Woman are kind of hanging on to Superman and the Flash kind of runs around him and Superman sort of turns his head in real yes, time, that's which a is a great... very unsettling, cool moment. I love that. Yeah, like, yeah. you know, cause he's Superman, he's operating on the same level. So like, you know, he, and then he kind of lashes out at Flash and Flash is, doesn't know how to deal with this cause no one's as fast as he is. Yes. And he's like, oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. That's cool. I love that stuff. But then in, in the Joss Whedon version, he goes away and when he comes back, he's wearing the red and blue suit. But in this version, when he comes back, he's wearing a black and silver suit. Now that's from the comics. It's from the death of Superman. When Superman comes back in the comics, in the 1990s comics, after he'd been dead for a year, he came back. I remember he, that, you know, when I yeah, was a oh, kid. It, it, was, it was a worldwide event. Death of Superman. Yeah. And like the cover was black. And the cover was black with like the bloody um, S yeah. symbol. And, 
And yeah. I, I'm, you know, not a comics reader, but I remember it being a news story like, oh, my God, Superman is being killed off in the comics. Yeah. And I think even then I was like, he'll come back, though, won't he? He'll like, come back, even, though. <laughs> even as a kid, I was like, yeah. doesn't strike me as the kind of chap to stay dead. Yeah, uh, sure. Not that I was And, and sure reading. enough, about a year, a year of publishing later, he, he came back. Yeah, and um, again, but, I assume sales skyrocketed. Absolutely. And when he came back in the in the comics, he was wearing this black costume with a silver S, like he does here. And the the conceit in the comics was that it was like a Kryptonian like regeneration sort of suit. And he didn't keep it. Like he 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 was wearing it when he first appeared, and then he like within an issue or so like put on his classic costume again because of course he did. In this movie, it is heavily implied that Superman, Superman just wears a black and silver costume now because they show that shot of him doing the classic like you know pulling open the shirt yes, shot, yes, and yes. it's the black and silver logo, and it's like I guess that's just his costume now because Zack Snyder was like I I can do what I want and it's cooler and it's, it's cool it's, it's cooler black's cooler black black it's the coolest color. It is. It's the coolest color. It's the best color. <laughs> I was pondered. He he goes into like the Fortress of Solitude, I assumed, to kind of get his mojo back and listen to his daddies talk to him yeah, yeah. from beyond the grave. I don't, whatever. Nice to hear Russell Crowe. Uh, a little camera. <laughs> and it was so funny because he, he, he has that voice where if you're listening in one way, you can kind of go, oh, yes, sort of slightly international, slightly Britishy kind of accent. And then if you just yeah. sort of adjust your ears a certain way, yeah. it sounds yeah. very Australian. Yeah. <laughs> it's great. It's like, Kal-El, everyone just wants you to be a good bloke, mate. That's your power. <laughs> your power Lee. is to represent a symbol of hope to everyone at the club, all performers, or the back row, the front row, <laughs> tight fives, the wingers, uh, the kickers, <laughs> the drop kickers. You play the full uh, 80 minutes, mate. It's a game of two halves. Two halves. <laughs> And uh, we'll get the back end in and uh, <laughs> score a try, kick a penalty goal halfway down the field from the 50-point line, get a penalty, uh, line ball. Yeah, mate, kal that's what you got to do. Proud, proud of you, do, mate. Proud of you. Do, do your job. Do your job. And uh, just, uh, we'll, we'll, all, we'll, we'll have some minis down the pub later on. You just got to take it one supervillain at a time. Uh, it's <laughs> how you play the game. Just what's it? Because you know Russell Crowe, like he owns the South Sydney Rabbitohs. He owns like the South Sydney Rabbitohs, absolutely. He's, he's got to throw in some NRL references in there somewhere, absolutely. surely. Yes. But yeah, it just, it just that slight thing when you hear him slightly, okay, yeah, he's Russell, okay, slightly British internationally kind of thing. Okay, great. But then if you're listening with your Australian ear turned on, you can really. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Because it's there. He can't turn it off. He can't turn it off all the way. <laughs> I didn't put you in a rocket, fired you out of our home planet. <laughs> Just for you to sit around on your bum. <laughs> Just for you to sit around. What you, you do get now. Back, get out there, son. Get Kal-El, back out there. Kal-El, what you do now, son, will echo in eternity. Right? <laughs> <laughs> and, and as I've told you many times here in the Fortress of Solitude, I am husband to a murdered wife and father <laughs> to a murdered son. Uh, not you. That was your brother. We never told you about him. It was very sad. That's why when the planet started imploding, put you in that rocket. That's uh, what loving parents do. Your mother and I mm-hmm. loved you. He says, he says, your mother and I loved you, kal So we put you in a rocket and fired you into space. <laughs> it's like, well, when you put it like that. <laughs> I know. I'm just teasing. But yeah. <laughs> just 
loving that because I've not seen Man of Steel, so I haven't actually seen Russell Crowe in person in the film. But I, oh, I, I, all of the Krypton stuff with Russell Crowe is the best part of that movie. It rules. Is it? Yeah, it? it's it's like twenty minutes of like Game of Thrones style political machinations on Krypton. Right. That really? the movie opens opens with that stuff. And it rules. I want to watch. I don't want to watch that for the entire movie. And then he he fires off Baby Kal-el in the rocket and dies. And then you're like, oh, okay. And now we're just stuck with like broody Superman for another. You know, it just yeah, it's a weird movie. Man of Steel is a weird movie. Okay, I've just googled up his image. Russell Crowe, Jor El. I'm pretty impressed that I knew it was Jor El. I mean, come on. Honestly, I'm I'm impressed too. Props. (laughs) Look, Lois and Clark, the new adventures of Superman. You start to learn these things. Uh, I think he had a couple of different dads. I think they kept recasting the dad in uh, Lois and Clark. <laughs> I assume the S doesn't actually stand for Superman. Then it's a. This is the thing. Like, like yes, because he's does. wearing in the comics. In the comics, S stands for Superman. He has an S on his chest because his name <laughs> is Superman. But, but in these in these movies and in the in the more recent comics, that they do this like weird backwards justification and say it's like it's either the crest of the house of l on krypton or it stands for hope like it's it's like a a a symbol a kryptonian the kryptonian sigil for hope i mean Um, they have a different language you would think that it could just be you know l in a different language or something yeah yeah sure (laughs) yeah like i mean yes exactly but but you know it it, of those i don't mind like like because the richard donner superman like with with christopher reeves has jor-el wearing the s symbol and and it's 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 implied that like that's that's a family crest yes Um, i can i can see a shot here of marlon brando wearing a particularly dodgy looking uh yes yes but but in the in the comics and and like i my my personal head count like he's got an s on his chest because his name's superman You know, like that, that's, that's why, (laughs) you know, it's, it's based on like big theatrical circus performers, you know, like that's, he's got it. He's got an S because it's the S stands for Superman. Well, why doesn't Batman have a B? Why does he have a picture of a bat? Well, he's got a bat. He's got a bat. I know, but why doesn't he have a B for Batman? Why did he go? I don't know. Is it because Superman doesn't have like an animal avatar? Is that why? He's just super? I mean, I guess, yeah, he's just super. But like, depending on the costume, Wonder Woman has a WW on her chest. She's very you know, rarely referred to as Wonder Woman. I know. Like, like that's the thing. Like, like they call her Diana, you know, like they. Yes. And and uh, they do, I think Barry and Victor have like a little scene, just a humorous little scene where they're like digging Superman up from digging the ground. Digging Superman up from um, the ground. <laughs> where they're talking about, hey, it's uh, Wonder Woman. Do you reckon she'd like a, a younger man? It's like she- She's five thousand years old. They're all younger men, and and then and then nothing is done about that. Uh, and I would have liked yeah. to have seen that because I've always wondered what the ages of these people. Because the first Wonder Woman movie, Diana's a kid for a lot of it, and then she yeah. grows up. But then, how long was she a kid for? Like when you're like, an immortal, like, about a thousand years. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. but then her mum is like. You obviously get to a point where you just stop aging. Yes. You're like, you've gotten to about 35. That's it. You'll stay that young and beautiful forevermore. Basically. Okay. I've just wondered about how Wonder Woman is so, how old she is. So she's 5,000, which is great. And she chooses to just hang out at the Louvre. Yes, I mean, I mean that that's the that's also, the big flaw in this version of Wonder Woman is that she shows up in in World War One and then spends the next hundred years not doing anything particularly super heroic. 
Yeah. It kind of sucks. Except for apparently when they retcon go back to 1984. Yes, Which is yes. obviously in the future for this film, so it's never mentioned. Nobody yeah. ever says, hey, we remember when you like assassinated President Reagan or whatever it was she did. I, it, I it, that, you, when you watch that movie, it will be even more hilarious that they don't reference what happened in it. So, I mean, I assume that people would know her. How does she doesn't wear a mask or have a secret identity? Well, she has a secret identity, I guess. But nobody sort of looks at her and goes, wow, that Wonder Woman is uh, just like. (laughs) And they they keep talking about, like, oh, where did you go on the weekend, Diana? You're so mysterious. You never tell us what you get up to. Like, again, surely you could put two and two yeah. together and go, you know, Diana in our office looks at the a Louvre, lot like she Wonder looks Woman. so much like Wonder Woman. And, you know, <laughs> she's never around. And Wonder Woman saved a whole, uh, bunch, of, a whole but, bunch of people from Roose Bolton the other day. But Roose- you, know, you know what, though? Diana keeps her hair in a ponytail and <laughs> Wonder Woman has her hair out. So, I mean, it couldn't be the same person. You know, I, I remember defending to the hilt back in – in my halcyon days of watching Lois and Clark, the new Avengers sure. of Superman. And I would often get people, normally it was the Sequest DSV people because that was the big rivalry. <laughs> if you remember in the mid-90s. Oh, I remember Sequest DSV, Natalie. It, look, look at who you're talking to here. I, I did not watch Sequest DSV out of a matter of principle because it was the competition against Lois and Clark and I was what not is, having I, that. I don't remember that being a rivalry. Was... It was It was the competition in America. So I, I remember reading articles because it was Lois and Clark. They had like the prime time. You know, you had these prime time slots. Right, yeah. yeah and yeah. it was like 8.30 on a Thursday night or whatever and it was Lois and Clark, right? It was Sequest DSV and it was Murder, She Wrote. They were the three wow. big guns of like 1994 wow. or whatever it was. And I was like, well, I am on the Lois and Clark train. Okay, Murder, She Wrote's fine. In Australia, I think they got shown at different times. So not I was going to say, like, you, you didn't yeah. have to make that choice in I Australia. didn't have to make that choice, but Stu, I was a committed You, you made it anyway. <laughs> and I am not watching Jonathan Brandis and the dude from Jaws have some sea-based adventures. Well, I could be watching Dean Kane and Terry Hatcher have journalism-based office banter, Okay. We know where my loyalty is. So anyway, it was the Sequest DSV people at school who would be like, ah, you can tell that he's Clark Kent. Like, how do they not know that he's Clark Kent? Like, he just looks exactly the same but with glasses. And then they'd take their glasses off if they were wearing glasses and they'd be like, look, now I'm, you know, Jenny. Now I'm not Jenny. Ooh. And I'd be like, shut the fuck up, Jenny. Um <laughs> Context is king. I will fucking kill you. I will fucking kill you, Jenny. Context is king. Clark Kent has an adorable little cowlick over his brow. Exactly. He is dressed as a boring office worker. Yes, he might have the body of some kind of bizarre Greek god, but you don't see that very often. It's only when Lois turns up unannounced at his house and he's been like repainting his entire flat in about three minutes and that's why he's got no shirt on. Okay. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, so they would mock me about going, I'm like, context is king. Superman has got like the slick back thing. He's also being a lot more confident because obviously he can switch his personality like that, whereas Clark's a little bit more awkward. I'm sorry, you'd probably not know the same either, Jenny. So take your Sequest DSV, take your yellow submarine, (laughs) go back to whatever futuristic jumpsuit wearing paradise utopia that you were watching there and leave me my Lois and Clark and we can both agree on murder she wrote and that's fine <laughs> there's a lot you delightful. know I think I saw today maybe that like they're making a that 90s show you know how they made that 70s yes. show yeah, yeah, yeah. They're gonna because, make it- because we are now the same distance from the 90s yeah. as people then were from the 70s which yeah. is a further sign of my slow 
crumbling oh, into dust. Stu, we are both crumbling into dust yeah. and it, it uh, makes me sad because I never watched that 70s show, but now I'm like, I have to watch that 90s show because I was there. That's my <laughs> yeah. time. I have to make sure they got it right. They're going to make it seem like we're all kitschy and weird. And we weren't, Stu. We weren't. <laughs> it's like, ha, 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 grunge. Ha, ha, ha. I'm like, you shut the fuck up. It was also weird European house music. Like well, I was going to say, like, the 90s, and- the 90s is weird because, like, the 90s starts one way and finishes very differently. Yeah. You know, and it's, it's, a, it's a hard decade. To, like, most people just go grunge. And it's like, that was, like, three years at the start of the decade. Yeah. And the rest of the decade was very strange. If you're missing out, you know, like Mr. Vane by Culture Beat and yeah. <laughs> uh, Be My Lover by uh, Labouche and... Uh, and, uh, and like the Spice Girls. Hadaway, like, What is Love? Know, yeah, that's a whole different thing. Spice a whole Girls, different again, thing. whole different level. But if you're missing out on the weird European... Ride in the Night by Jam and Spoon. You know, all of these classic bangers that we listen to on the yeah. bus on the way to the sports carnivals... God damn it, Stu, if they make my decade <laughs> look like a joke, then I'll be really ropeable. Dean Kane in Lois and Clark was a true cultural moment, and if they treat it like a joke, I'll be very unhappy. Sequest DSV, <laughs> they can make all the fun they want of that shit. Lois and Clark <laughs> is a sacred cultural object. Absolutely. Did I ever tell you my friend Brittany download, like paid for the first season of Lois and Clark? Because like a digit came up somewhere that you could buy it, like a digital download. Even I haven't done that. And she was like, nah, I downloaded Lois and Clark. I was so excited. It has not held up well. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, don't Imagine tell me that, Brittany. It lives in my memory as a shining example of genius. I mean, they will do, obviously, like eventually the Titanic and they'll do the Leonardo DiCaprio craze. And what they'll probably do is get Leonardo DiCaprio to like guest star as some daggy neighborhood dad. Like going, I don't know what you kids <laughs> don't know what you kids find attractive about that young dickhead. You know, it'll be hilarious and they'll win an Emmy and uh, I've seen oh, the whole set. Them. I've predicted it all, Stu. Have you finished your list or have I just gone I'm on another in crazy you, tangent. I, I only have one thing left, which is good because it seems like we are thoroughly done with talking about Zack Snyder's Justice, <laughs> Justice League. Um, the last thing on my on my list was Steppenwolf is a good boy who just wants to go home, which I, I thought was really interesting because in the Joss Whedon version, he is obviously the big bad. They cut all of the dark side and the apocalypse stuff out completely. So he's the big driving force. He He's the guy who wants to get the mother boxes. He wants to put the mother boxes together and that will be and step three profit. Um, so it, it's unclear what his exact motivation is, but he wants to put those three boxes together Can to I, form the unity. Just on that, you know, I don't know how many gifts you might say that, that Trey Parker and Matt Stone have given the, the world. And certainly the Book of Mormon, I would say, is probably sure. their, their, their greatest. But that episode of Star, that's a very early episode of South Park with the gnomes and it's like collect underpants, question mark, profit. I have used that in so yes. many applications. It's a very like, versatile reference, yes. It's just so, it works in so many situations. Like all of crypto, all of crypto to me yes. is oh, yeah, yeah. crypto, NFT, question mark, profit. Like, yeah. That's all it is to me. So I, you know, bless you, Trey Parker and Matt Stone. You clearly needed my blessing. Uh, no, <laughs> they didn't. But yeah, as far as cultural memes of explaining things, yeah, that and wibbly wobbly timey wimey yeah, are on the yeah, same yeah. level of just absolutely. Eh. Just hand wave it away. It's hand fine. wave it away. It's fine. So yes. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> what and and so like that that basically 
does in in the Joss Whedon version. He he is going to put those three things together, and that will be bad, and he needs to be stopped, and so so they stop him. And then in this version, so in the Zack Snyder movie, he is as in the comics, he's one of Darkseid's like minions, but he just wants to go home, which is actually like a really believable, understandable motivation. I I actually really liked. Steppenwolf in this. I think his design's a lot better. It's really it's a really cool design. I, I remember I saw like a still image of it and I was just like, oh come on, man. It's like something straight out of like a 90s extreme comic where like everyone's covered in knives. You know, like it just sort of <laughs> it, it was almost like a joke. But then seeing it seeing it in action, I'm like, that actually looks pretty cool. His design is a lot better in this, in the in the Snyder Cut, and his motivation is crystal clear. Do you mean in um, the Snyder Cut? Versus the Joss Whedon cut. Versus the jo- the Joss Whedon cut. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, okay. So um, they did more work on his whole thing <clears throat> to make him look. Oh yeah. If you if you go, I'm not sure whether you see like uh, if you've seen one of those comparison videos for like maybe maybe his fight with the Amazons or something like that. But you can see the design they went because they they completely redesigned him for the Joss Whedon version. So, but basically, they had done they they had oh. done concept. Yeah, yeah. Oh my god, he's yeah, a dude. A weird skull. Yeah, which which actually, I mean that that's what he is in the comics. He's a he's a guy with a helmet on, but they make him like a, a big scary knife man for the the Snyder version. Um, and I actually like that design really uh, a lot better. Yeah, he's just a dude in an armor suit with a thing on his head. He's an unnaturally big man with a a, a strange pointed helmet on. Yeah, he's much better in the Snyder cut. Yeah, yeah, he looks a lot yeah. better. He, the, the design looks a lot more deliberate, and his motivation is crystal clear you know exactly what he wants he wants to do this to impress Darkseid so Darkseid will let him come back to back back to Apocalypse he, he's in exile for being a fuck up and he, he wants to prove himself and what's that makes Apoc- sense what's Apocalypse is that like his home Ap- planet or Apocalypse is the planet that Darkseid lives on right except it's right. it's spelt with like K's and things and apostrophes <laughs> uh, no apostrophes in that one but but like it's a K's instead of C's just to make it uh, a little bit more fantasy uh, sci-fi Right, um, right. It's a whole thing. It's a whole thing to do with the new gods, which I won't go into because this will just extend what is already a very long podcast. I don't um, care, Stu. Stu, we're giving the people this in its entire. I'm not doing a weed and cut of this podcast. <laughs> They're getting it all, and they can take it in. They can put on an exercise video like I did and go step in while they listen. Sure, I think that's step, what step the and people wolf want. Even. They can step and wolf it. I like to be. Um, I have a few more. I never know the words to that. I just know that I like to something. I did not realize that that uh, Steppenwolf looks so different. I would give that a point to the Snyder cut. I think he yeah, absolutely, yeah, yeah. That that's one of the few things that like people have pointed out positively about the the Snyder cut is like Steppenwolf. His whole deal is improved. Yeah, you know, it it really is. And it's it's Kieran Hines. You know, Kieran Hines exactly. Man's yeah. radar. You absolutely. Know? Uh, Captain Wentworth from the 1995 version of uh, Persuasion, if you uh, were <laughs> one of the better Jane Austen some, some adaptations. No, that's uh, that's true. It's great. No, I know, yeah, yeah. Because it's a deep pull because why it works is that they're actually believable as normal-looking people who are actually maybe not, like, that attractive. Obviously, it's a film, so everyone's attractive. But sure. As opposed to where you see someone in an Austen film now and they're, like, the plain sibling and they're, like, a supermodel. It's like, oh, look, she's got her hair in a bun. She's plain. Oh, wait, it's the Regency. They all had their hair in buns. But you know what I'm saying. I'll move on. I just had a few things to add to this 
podcast. Well, I, I was going to say j- just to quickly um, just put a cap on the Steppenwolf stuff. So um, th- there is a key change in how they defeat him in the two versions. So okay. in the Joss in the Joss Whedon version, they pull apart the the mother boxes and then gang up on Ste- Steppenwolf. They beat him down and, you know, Superman in particular really, you know, gives him a pretty solid beating. And at that point, he's afraid. And so his parademons sense that and swarm him because they're they're drawn to fear, right? And then a boob tube, a boom tube, I was about to say a boob tube. Um, a boom tube. A boob tube? A boom tube comes down and pulls him and the parademons up to somewhere we know not where, but the implication is that someone recalled him. Whereas in the Snyder Cut, they gang up and behead him. Yeah, um, yeah, Wonder Woman. Yeah, cuts it cuts his head off. Don't love it. Don't love really? that as a thing. Not super into our heroes uh murdering the the villain at the end of the of the thing. It just seems to be a real Zack Snyder move to have the the villains brutally murdered by the heroes. I don't love it and that's that's a personal taste on my on my behalf. Yeah. Okay, I didn't mind it cuz you know, bad guys it seemed a bit like Oh, poor Steppenwolf. But also, you have been murdering a whole bunch of people. <laughs> sure. Yeah, exactly. You know, and there's that's true. And it was but- also, it was Wonder Woman giving the killing blow. Well, I assume he was already probably dead, but she was the one who took his head off. And I was, I was fine with that. Smash the patriarchy. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Well, after, after he's been impaled with Aquaman's trident, and I think like electrocuted or something, like, like Cyborg does something to him too. I think that they all get, they all get a shot in. Mm. And then, and then, Wonder Woman beheads. Yes, him. it was very much a group effort. It was very. Yeah. Much, I actually had the thought of that time. It's like murder on the Orient Express. Yes, right? yeah, yeah. I, I think that the solution is that they've all had a stab. They've all had a stab. They've literally all had a stab at the yeah. at the victim. I actually haven't read it, but that's uh, my understanding. Yeah. I need to read more Agatha Christie. I have one point. I've just been looking through my other notes, and I have yeah. a quick thing. I did watch a comparison of that fight when Superman comes back, and you know he throws Batman away. There's right, a yeah. slight difference with the Whedon. The Whedon one, Batman like kind of lies on the ground, going, "Yep, something's definitely bleeding." Which I went, "Oh yeah, that's a Whedon line. That, that's a Whedon line, and Absolutely. that's not in Snyder Cut." And I was like, "I think no. it's better for that." Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, like there's there's a lot of things <laughs> like like just Whedon. Batman rolling on the ground in agony. Being like, yep, I've torn that. That's bleeding. Oh, no. Like, <laughs> you've created this dark Batman and all of a sudden he's lolling on the floor, like literally lolling on the ground. Well, exactly. And that's a, that's a pretty good segue into the key sort of difference between the two versions of this film, which is that, you know, the, the Joss Whedon version is this bizarre Frankenstein of conflicting styles where where a lot of the the vision of the movie like the, the the literal shots and and film scenes of the movie were done by Zack Snyder with a certain vision in mind and then other parts are things that have been awkwardly crammed in by Joss Whedon to make it and and in in being 100% fair he was asked to do that you know like he was asked to make it lighter more funny more colorful and that's what he did he 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 brought yeah. the Joss Whedon of it all to, to the film, but it creates this film that is fundamentally at war with itself. Like it doesn't know what it wants to be. And it's a mess. It's an absolute mess. The, the, the Joss Whedon version of Justice League is a unmitigated disaster. It, it makes no sense. Characters are acting wildly out of character between 
scenes. You know, it, it just is a, an absolute mess. The Snyder Cut is a much more cohesive vision of what this is. A much more that, cohesive mess. <laughs> a, a much more well. I, I mean, it's, it's you could you could argue that it's not even a mess because everything gets room to be explained and hang together, and things pay off. Yes, in various ways. But it's not a good movie. It takes nearly four hours to tell its story. I mean, that's just self indulgence. You can't look at a two hour movie that was Frankenstein together and a four hour whatever the Snyder cut is meant to be. And say, well, that's obviously better. It's like, well, no, it's just he got more time to go in and fix everything. And he also got, I guess, the nerd boy fandom. Like, yes, give us your vision. Yeah, give us every single thing, you know. Yeah, so he felt with that tick from the studio, like, hey, it's COVID. Did he refilm this stuff in COVID times? Yes, yeah, yeah. So he came back and filmed a lot of this stuff like during the pandemic. Wow, that's amazing. So, uh, yes, that's the other thing I wanted to ask you. Where was the Superman moustache controversy? Yeah, I, yeah, that, that was that's one of the weird things in this whole saga. So Henry Cavill had finished filming Justice League, had gone off to do his Mission Impossible. He, he was in a Mission Impossible movie as one of the bad guys. Yes, yes. Um, and for I've... that movie, he had a, a moustache and he grew the moustache. Like, so he just grew the the moustache, and then Joss Whedon tapped the Justice League cast and said, hey, we need you back for reshoots. And the Mission Impossible team were like, okay, you can have Henry Cavill, but he can't shave his moustache, right? So, you know, I I, I haven't seen pictures of him in the Superman uh, costume with the moustache. I think it would be amazing. I want to see those photos if you have them. Please call in. (laughs) Um, But because he filmed a lot of... Superman, he, he reshot a lot of the Superman stuff for the Joss Whedon version. They had to digitally remove his mustache and they didn't do it very well. It looks weird. There's the, the famous scene is that the Joss Whedon version of Justice League starts with a flashback to a couple of kids who are recording a podcast. Like it's a weird way to get into it, but basically they, they, they run up to Superman when he's just like save someone from burning building and ask him a couple of questions. And in that shot, it's just bizarre. It's unsettling because like his top lip doesn't look right. It looks like they've pasted a mouth on weirdly in, in post. Because I didn't really see in the Snyder Cut what looked like a a dodgy top lip. Oh, no, no, because Zack Snyder didn't use any of Joss Whedon's footage. Like, like he threw threw all the Joss Whedon stuff out. That was a Joss Whedon thing. Okay. So so that was specifically, he got him back. By the time Zack Snyder got all the cast back to film the extra stuff for the Snyder Cut, Henry Cavill had long since shaved his mustache, so it was fine. Right, because I did notice when I watched a comparison... Uh, the side by side there was one bit that was in the Joss Whedon version where I went maybe that's it but I couldn't see where his top lip was just a bit weird and I went maybe that's it but I couldn't see no 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 so there's none of that yeah. in, the, in the Snyder Cut it's okay. all in the Joss Whedon version it's and, and it's, Whedon it's version. very noticeable you would notice when he's yeah he, <laughs> it's it's very noticeable if you look up some of the some of the contrast maybe yeah wow they've kind of gone right out from under his nose right out towards his cheek yep. so they've kind yep. of yeah he looks like he's got the mumps or something <laughs> yeah it's it's bizarre it, it looks like they've pasted on like a digital mouth it's weird i just go, like i'm looking at these images and you know you get random images up and there's just this picture of henry cavill standing next to like a, a dummy version of superman or something based on him and he's wearing like a, a, a i guess a tank and so his muscles are out and he looks bigger than superman the statue next to him. yeah 
The guy is huge. He's a very large How man. How does one man put on that much muscle? Oh, my gosh. Yeah, okay, I'm looking at some of these pictures of his non-mustache mustache now, and it's a, it's a bit strange. It, it looks yeah. even weirder in, in motion. Like That's it, right, because that's, really that's, he asked Batman, he says, do you bleed? Like Batman asked him. That must have been hilarious to shoot. You're like trying to be serious, and there's Superman with a, with a mo. <laughs> <laughs> oh. While we're on Superman, though, just one final thing. Lois, what's going on oh, with yeah. Lois and the whole Lois is key to everything? What happened well, there? I, I guess basically like like the, the general conceit is that Lois is the key to reaching Superman. She's but the then one Batman says all... there's something more, there's something more. And then in the epilogue, it's all about like Lois dying or Lois suffered and that turned Superman evil. Yeah, I mean that that's that's in um in in the Injustice uh, video game and spin-off comics and and the cartoon that has been made of that. The Joker kills Lois Lane, so Superman kills the Joker, and that that sets him on a dark path. That eventually there's this. It doesn't matter, um, but it basically <laughs> like it's 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 just a, a thing that happens. It's an alternate universe in the in the in the comics that, but basically that they reverse engineer an evil Superman. They they want to see an evil Superman. That's what Zack Snyder is like pushing towards for this. And I imagine like the the, the fabled third Justice League movie would have been something like that, where we we see that and then Batman. It, it would look very similar, probably to what we get in the, the the dream sequence of desert action Batman with you know all the the various like heroes and, and villains in the, in the future in the the wasteland. Oh, um, wow. That, that's what they were pushing towards. That's what Zack Snyder wanted to do. And it would have sucked. It would have been awful. <laughs> uh, it just, just the worst. Like, do proper versions of these characters. Do proper, do the proper versions of these characters before you do the weird off-brand ones. I just, I can't <laughs> understand why DC keeps doing this, where they do the weird off-brand Elseworlds version of all their characters before they just do the basic, easy-to-understand version that would be a much easier sell for people who don't follow like this stuff super closely, just seems like a really weird strategy, you know. And and it's not one that's working out for them. They are getting badly done by by so, by the competition. Okay, so as we move into the f- end of this podcast, yes. uh, and we rank this Please. film, where <laughs> sorry, Stu, where does DC go now? What's next for DC? They've seemed to be having some success in TV. What about the DCCU? Well, there was plans to do a third Wonder Woman movie. I, I know that that's kind of on hold at the moment because 84 didn't do so well. And you could, yeah, there's all sorts of reasons for that. But they are definitely making a second Shazam movie, which is great because Shazam, the, f- the first Shazam movie was really fun. Okay, um, didn't see it, but I... Uh, so that's, it's uh, what, what used to be called Captain Marvel, but is now that they call him Shazam just to avoid any confusions. Yes, um, that would be that, that would be confusing. For me. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. He's the one um, that has... So Captain Marvel is is like Billy Batson, who's just like a, a, a kid who says a magic word, Shazam, and turns into a superhero. For a while, Captain Marvel in the in the thirties in the forties was more popular than Superman as a oh, as wow. a superhero. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So so anyway, they they're making another another one of him. Plus, his the Rock is going to be Black Adam, who is his his main sort of villain, and they're going to make a Black Adam movie. I I believe Aquaman two is is still in production. Like they're still pushing ahead with that one. So there, there's movies. There's movies that are happening in this universe. I think a Flash movie is still coming. 
Although uh, Ezra Miller, who plays the Flash, turned out to himself be kind of a weird, problematic figure. Oh, is he? What did um, he do? Uh, various nasty uh, sexual allegations. Anyway, yeah, like, like just just some some nasty stuff came to light. People sort of yeah made some allegations against him. It didn't seem to go too far, but. Yeah, it just sort of took the shine off that whole thing. So I'm not sure if if the, the the Flash movie is still going along. Although I'm just now reading that it is due to be released this year. I haven't seen anything about it, so we'll we'll see. But they're pushing ahead. They're they're, they're doing stuff, and and obviously like the Batman is coming out. Like so, DC is releasing like the Batman. Oh, I forgot about the Batman. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> You know, and so what they seem to be doing, and I don't hate this, is that they've really stepped away from trying to just directly emulate what Marvel are doing, and they're like, "Well, let's just let's just make some movies, like let's see what sticks, mm-hmm. and and try some characters out, and see if people like them, and if they like them, we'll make some more, and if they don't, we'll just make some different ones." You know, and I I don't hate that. I, I not not everything has to be a giant sprawling interconnected universe. You can just make what whatever. Like I mean. Peacemaker, the the TV series which spun out of Suicide Squad by James Gunn, is yes, a lot of fantastic. People, and a lot of people is, in this past week have been talking that up, and oh, it rules! It's it's a fantastic show. I love it so much. Okay. And it's a, it's a silly, goofy show that also has a lot of pathos. But I mean, technically, it's set in the same universe. You know, like like all of those all of those characters are technically in the same universe as this movie. So it's you know just this whole thing that DC's doing now, where they're just like. Let's just let everything exist on its own. And, you know, it's part of a a universe and we can pull characters in and out as we need, but we can just move forward and and do it. And I think that's not a bad strategy. I hope they keep doing that. I hope they just step away from having to do exactly what Marvel are doing because they don't. They don't have to do that. Hmm. Now, the, the question now becomes, Natalie, where do we put this movie in our list? Well, for me, I think I would put it, uh, and as usual, I've... I've forgotten my rankings, but I'm pretty sure I put Batman v Superman second last. Yes. I think I would put this just above that. Fantastic. So third last. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's a bit more engaging than Batman v Superman, possibly. I don't know. I, I like some elements of it. I, di- I didn't hate it. It's longer, I suppose. But it belongs. <laughs> Much longer. It belongs with Batman v Superman. Yeah. Uh, whether above or below it, I'm actually quite agnostic about that, but. Yeah, I feel like above it seems to be where I would put it. Well, that's good uh, because that's, that's exactly where I put it as well. Oh, I there you go. <laughs> just above Batman v Superman. But because I had also seen the Joss Whedon version, yeah, I, incl- I, I put that in my list too. Oh, um, okay. So I, I put that just below ba- Batman v Superman, Dawn of Justice. Only because, as I said, Zack Snyder's Justice League is a much more cohesive vision. I just don't like it. I, I don't like what Zack Snyder is bringing to the table, I, but but I recognize that it is a much more cohesive film. It is a singular vision. Joss Whedon's Justice League is a mess. It's just a yeah. mess of a movie that doesn't work, but still better than Batman and Robin, which retains uh, <laughs> last spot I feel on the like, list. I don't know. I feel like that's kind of a charming wooden spoon spot. Yes, Absolutely. You know, it's like a, hey, if we're going to give a wooden spoon to someone, let's give it to the kind of cheesy, super, super bad George Clooney one. Like the amount of money that the Snyderverse had to throw at these things, they should be better for what they are. Yes, absolutely they should be. You know, Batman and Robin is like coming at the tail end of a franchise where people were losing a bit of steam with it and trying to overcompensate with, 
you know. Neon and ice puns. Yes, yes, exactly. So I'm quite happy with it being in that position, which kind of wraps up, I guess, our Batman thing temporarily. We're going to come back for the Batman, uh, but it means that we can start with Robin Hood. Absolutely. I'm very excited. I'm so excited. I'm so excited. So we will be starting with Robin On uh, because we just can't have enough pun and pun-derived names here at (laughs) Raven On. If you want to watch along with us, we'll be starting with the 1938 Errol Flynn, The Adventures of Robin Hood. Yes, there is a Douglas Fairbanks silent movie. There are other various sort of film and stuff, but we're going to go with a well-known classic that kind of establishes uh, the character and the genre and a lot of the, the, the familiar stuff in film v- version. And we'll kind of use that as a base to, to, to jump from that and compare yeah. how or everyone did it since. So uh, if you'd like to watch along, you can find The Adventures of Robin Hood, I think, on streaming or, you know, go to a video store. Go old school. <laughs> that's how I first watched it, rented it at uh, Video Easy. That's, that's uh, dated, yeah. Stu, I was just having a massive rant about the 90s and Sequest DSP. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I'm dated. <laughs> I'm carbon dated at this point. (laughs) But the 90s was a simpler time. In many ways, it was a better time. It was life before September 11, which in many ways was kind of a blessing that that we got to experience. Because the kids these days, (laughs) all they've ever known is a lot of fucked up shit. Back in our day. That note. Thank you for joining us. <laughs> oh, see, Stu's wrapping me up. I'm getting the signal. Uh, thank you, everyone, to my wonderful, wonderful Patreon supporters. Thank you so much. Uh, you are the wind beneath my wings or the wind beneath my cape, as, as it may be in the superhero sense. Uh, Patreon.com slash girlclumsy is my Patreon if you would like to jump on board uh, for the Robin On section uh, or just in general. House of the Dragon at some point this year will be amazing. Mm. Stu, as always, my Batman in life and in art. At Disco Stew is uh, Stew's Twitter. I'm at Girl Clumsy. Please call in if you've got to this point in the podcast. Thank you for sticking oh, around. Thank you so much. You are the greatest. So definitely call in with your opinions. Uh, Facebook.com slash Throne. I think that's all the plugs. Until then, same bat time. Same bat channel. Na 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 Batman! <laughs> See you. <ya. laughs> Bye. <laughs>